Here we are, guys. It's Christmas time. We're back. It's reconsinimation. And we are so happy you guys are back with us. This is the show where we take a look back at some of our favorites and not so favorites of the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We are having a great Christmas season so far this year, right? Right, David? Yeah, it's been a wonderful season. I've got my Santa hat on every day. Christmas music on the radio every day. Oh, yeah. The absolutely. Yule log on the TV every day. I usually leave that on all night. So if I wake up in the middle of the night mm-hmm. eight times like I do, mm-hmm. uh, it's there. And I'm it. just comforted right back to sleep for another 10 minutes. <laughs> wow, that's... That's great you have that there. <laughs> the rest of the 11 months out of the year is just a waking nightmare for you, I'm sure. Just uh, yeah. unable to sleep at all. When my eyes are open, it's a nightmare. <laughs> I'm in heaven when they're closed. Um, it's it's tough for me. I live alone, so I, I, st- I do Elf on the Shelf, but I ha- it's really hard for me to like really fool it That's, myself. That is tough. Yeah, solo. Yeah. But I love doing it. I just <laughs> love this season. Well, he's David Munchak. I'm John Diner. Welcome back to Reconcinimation. Yeah. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah's mm-hmm. over by this time ha- you're listening Hanukkah's to Hanukkah's over, but we hope you had a great one. And um, and all the rest. Mm-hmm. All those holidays. All the rest. Kwanzaa, all the rest of them. What's the other one? There's another one I feel bad about not knowing. Is it International Die Hard Day? Well, on this show it is. <laughs> it is. That's what today is. Oh my gosh. Oh boy. We're in for you guys are in for a treat. It ain't the holidays without Die Hard. Mm-hmm. You got it. And we want to thank our friends, Curtis Moore, for the yet again every week. The amazing poster. We really appreciate it. He's he's here sketching. I mean this one was we, we he wanted some action. And it was risky, but we did it. He got it. He, yeah. It's some. It's action packed. Yeah, action packed. I'm very thankful that we had a, a small pad at the at the bottom of the building that we yeah. land. We luckily, you know, we're good enough that we landed right on it. Yeah, but, I mean, it looks dangerous to most people. I mean, I, I was scared a little. It's a Tuesday afternoon for us. Yeah, <laughs> I'm always. I'm actually constantly scared of things, though. So. Jumping out of the building is just—it's just another Tuesday. Mm-hmm. But Curtis insisted; he demanded that we we get this. He get a real scene. He yeah. really wanted to feel it. It's got to so, feel real. So thank you, Curtis. Captured the moment. Appreciate it. Uh, all your efforts and and making us look the best. And we also want to thank E. K. Wimmer for the theme music and uh, little little bits and bobs here and there. You can check him out at ekwimmer.com. And we know E.K. is having a great holiday season. He tells us all the time. Yeah, he really goes on and on with a, a daily text. A daily text and newsletter. Just, I'm having a great holiday season. Yeah, pictures of him enjoying the holidays. Yeah. So, enjoy. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of enjoying, we hope you guys are enjoying the show. Yeah. If you can, take a minute, uh, give us a review on uh, iTunes, give us a five-star rating. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. If you you know the more ratings and reviews we get, the more the show gets out there, and uh, it would be a of great help. And we would that would be that would be your gift to us. Yeah, we appreciate it. Uh, every little bit helps. Uh, you know, with the socials, with the uh, reviews, the stars. So if you got a second, iTunes, tell your friends over at Stitcher. If you know anybody that works at Stitcher, you really like the show, they'd want to hear that. <laughs> Everyone with personal connections to 
streaming services that Use carry them. our show, please just let them know directly. You yeah. love yeah. Naked Cinemation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's get right to the show. Guys, have a listen to what we're covering today. We thank you one and all and wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. It's Christmas Eve in L.A. But a team of terrorists... You want money? What kind of terrorists are you? Who said we were terrorists? ...have their own holiday plans. And I'm telling you, you're just going to have to kill me. Okay. We do it the hard way. But the one thing they didn't plan on was New York cop John McLean. Got invited to the Christmas party by mistake. Who knew? Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, mother... And you'll have it. They have already killed one hostage. This channel is reserved for emergency calls only. Lady, do I sound like I'm ordered a pizza? Are you really an American? Only if New Jersey counts. What does he think he's doing? Good job. There's an artillery on us. You appear to It's not the police. It's him. He's an easy guy to like. Welcome to the party, pal. And a hard man to kill. Bruce Willis. Die Hard. David, are you still are you still with us? Did that intense? Did that just blow you out of the back of the theater? Yeah, that trailer did that. It's we, that's every time I watch that trailer, I just get pumped. Boom! He's just I'm gone. Just, just, just gone. I'm just blown away. Did it's, you see it's all like those that explosions? old. It's like that Magnavox commercial. Was that Mag or? Was it Magnavox? Uh, With the guy in the chair? Yeah, he's I think like, so. Yeah. That's like you, but you just go flying. Or is it Memorex? Memorex, maybe. I yeah. Know, it was, might be Magnavox. One of them. It, I get it. It starts with an M and ends with a weird letter. Either way, it's a lot of uh, <laughs> repairs that have to be done in your uh, your office, your apartment, your house, your mm-hmm. mansion, all of the above. Yeah, that's what I, fl- I fly 100 yards through every wall. Yeah, and it's like, damn it. Yeah. Again. Every time with Die Hard. I should just watch the movie <laughs> instead of the trailer. Because <laughs> the trailer is really what does it. <laughs> it is the trailer. The movie's great and all, but it's the trailer that does it. So we're talking uh, Dying Hard? We are. We Die certainly hard? are, yeah. I uh, just want to give a quick, before we get into the, into the show, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, some of our, our fans each week. Jenny from Lawrence, Kansas. Oh, Jenny. We know that... Uh, you like to to listen to the show while you're doing some work in the, in the kitchen. We appreciate it and uh, keep stay stay tuned. So thank you very much. And uh, we're talking we're talking 1988's Die Hard, directed by John McTiernan. Mm-hmm. Uh, welcome released, back, John McTiernan, to the show. Welcome back. Yeah, it's been a it's been a couple of months. Couple I think months since we talked Predator. Yeah, September. September. Three months. Three months. Wow. Yeah. How the time flies. That feels like yesterday that we were doing Predator. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't. We got a lot of the same people here, though. We've got... Who do we get? Well, we've got 20th Century Fox releasing the film. Yeah. We've got Joel Silver producing it. Oof. John McTiernan directing it. It's an all-star group. And there's a lot more that almost tied this to 
to the Predator world, or to Arnold specifically. Oh. We'll get into that a little bit later. What a tease. So, but why are we why are we talking about why are we talking about this movie right now this time of year? Because you love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of America loves it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's about time we talk Bruce Willis. I think that was all the criteria, right? Yeah. No. Am I missing something? You're missing something. What? Everyone, and it's, it feels like every year more and more people are, are arguing about this, whether or not this movie is a Christmas movie. Oh, is it because it takes place at Christmas? And it's about family togetherness. Family togetherness? That's, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, But it feels like, you know, growing up, it was like, you know, talked about or watched more, but not like, now it's like almost like a Christmas craze about this movie. Like, people are passionately arguing whether or not it is or isn't a Christmas movie. Yeah. I, I'm, and maybe it's social media that's changed that debate a little bit, but yeah. it feels like it's gotten a little more intense the last two years. I think it's, you know, our generation growing up on the movie uh, and having the ironic sort of uh, excitement for pointless crap, like arguing about that kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, and amplified by the internet and sort of taking aside on basically every issue mm-hmm. on or uh, liking something in pop culture the internet yeah oh yeah oh yeah yeah it does so, that but uh i can, i can see why this is a movie that is screened in people's homes at christmas time mm-hmm. there's a very it meets the very minimal basic standards of christmas in it oh does it yeah so i get that um uh, uh, i think it meets a lot more than that well, well, you'd say I would say you know. Here's here's my point of view, and a lot of other people's as well. I'm going to speak for them and not name them. Wow, but speaking for, the, uh-huh. for the whole group. Yes. Okay. The central point of this movie is a family coming together at Christmas. That's the whole reason he's there. Why John McClane is in Los Angeles? Why he's in that building? Because the family is coming together at Christmas. Mm. That's the ultimate goal here. Mm. Same as Home Alone. Okay. Same. I mean, the same. Sure. By the end of the movie, he wants his family back together for Christmas. And it's only Christmas movies where families and people who love each other try to spend time together. That's true. <laughs> Otherwise, they don't, want, of that. they don't want to be together ever, <laughs> except at Christmas. <It's laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I think that we should, we, we will definitely have to go harder on that conversation and maybe talk about other movies. In yeah, Christmas. there's there's ranges to, there's levels to, to a Christmas movie. And, and that, that, I think we can do that as a whole debate on its own. Yeah. Well, uh, you know what? I... I'm 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 pulling out the gauntlet. I'm I'm pulling it out of this my cabinet right here. Okay, in your office. In my That's, booth. Oh, whoop! There, there, it's threw, out now. I threw the gauntlet down. We should. We're gonna we're gonna meet next week, Christmas Eve, and we're gonna talk about this once and for all. All right. What's a Christmas movie? Challenge accepted. And uh, you know we're we're gonna make sure everyone can hear it. We're doing it. We're going to record it. We're putting it out there. Okay. We're going to talk. We're going to talk. Where does Gremlins rank here? We'll talk rankings of all the big ones. Where does Trading Places, Muppets Christmas Carol, 
A Nightmare Before Christmas. Christmas Story. Uh, Pretty obvious there. A Christmas Carol. (laughs) Black Christmas. Christmas Vacation. And if you've been following us on Twitter... You've probably been seeing that we've got our 25 days of Christmas that are that our countdown. So some of these movies we've already kind of been acknowledging, but we're also going to talk about what defines a Christmas movie, what makes a Christmas movie. Yeah. So is it be just because it's set at Christmas, or does it have to be about something specific, something right. family, mm-hmm. uh, or the act, the, the Christmas holiday itself? So That's, we're gonna. So well, tune we're in. getting in. We're getting into yeah. it. So tune in next week. You got a bonus show coming at uh, you. That's it. We're, I I I think everyone's going to be very excited about this. Yeah. And we'll decide it once and for all. Oh Pro- yeah, the, probably not once and for all. I, but I think I think this is the ultimate decision. Yeah. This is the final decision right here. All right, good. Well, <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to that. But now, back to Die Hard. Back to Die Hard. <laughs> uh, when was when was the first time you saw Die Hard? couldn't tell you uh probably i don't think i saw this in the theater uh, so you didn't get blown out of the back of the theater no okay no but i i'm sure i saw it within the, the year that it would be on home video either so like, rented like late 88 or or you know early 89 probably yeah something like that um back, I don't, back then it took like six months for something to come out and I think, on video yeah at least i think i think that was the the magic number in a sense so i don't i really i couldn't tell you when it, it it's another one of those movies that just sort of became part of my consciousness because i saw it and and then i saw it a lot of times and yeah then it's just a thing in the background it's like it's like oh well, where were you when you first saw that one episode of friends i'm like i don't know we've on seen them couch. all <laughs> i was on a couch i loved it <laughs> friends is the best um, but, uh, no, so I, I don't have a specific memory tied to it, but I, I've watched it a ton. Loved it. Yeah. It's one of those movies. I mean, it's on to this day, it's on all the time, mm-hmm. especially this time of year. But I mean, it's on really throughout the year. It's just a movie that is, is, has a very large TV presence. Yeah. It's a go-to action movie. I, I remember, I think seeing this on. Saturday afternoon, uh, you know, with commercial breaks and mm-hmm. edited for TV and oh. all that oh, stuff. yippee Mr. Falco. Is that what he says, Mr. Falco? I remember seeing it on, <laughs> on an after weekday afternoon on U, on the USA channel. Uh-huh. And that was uh, that was the big reveal was Mr. yippee Mr. Falco. <laughs> My God. <laughs> I hadn't laughed so hard since uh, Ace Ventura. <laughs> Nobody has. <laughs> Um, I did see this in the theater. Look at you. I saw it. I'm pretty positive it was opening night. What? My my parents took me uh, after I after camp one day, and I and it, I remember like thinking this is a, a week night. I I shouldn't be here. Like this is a sold out packed movie theater mm-hmm. on a week night, and I I feel like we saw like. Like an eight or nine o'clock show. I remember it being really late when we got out of the movie. Wow! Um, and I just felt like I, the movie, like I've been saying, blew me away. It was like heaven to me. It was like yeah. It was Predator was probably my favorite, other than Star Wars. Predator was like my favorite action movie to that point, and then which I just recently you, seen. You have you yeah, have just seen which it was right around like July fourth. Yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, 
So two weeks later, well, you end up seeing it. But I remember it clearly, like, yeah. that I loved Predator, and then I saw this, and this kind of, like, surpassed it. Yeah, yeah, instantly. Um, I could see that. But it was just, I, I like, absorbed, I felt like I absorbed every minute of it. I just had so much fun with it. and So it was just like, uh, come on, John, we're going to the movies kind of thing like did you even know it existed before that i don't remember seeing any like trailers or posters i just remember like first time it really like sunk in i was in the theater got it yeah and bruce willis i mean i i knew of my my parents watched moonlighting so yeah i knew of him at the time yeah i watched i watched moonlighting didn't understand any of it Mm -hmm. but me and my brothers would watch it uh i kind of want to give that show another try now and see like what does it work? I don't know. I'm sure that first season is still pretty amazing. Um, and maybe even the second season. Yeah. But I remember th- that's the kind of thing of like being a kid and watching adult shows, you know, just sort of getting the, the cadence of humor, like understanding mm-hmm. like why, like this is supposed to be funny, mm-hmm. even if you don't really understand the material. Like, yeah. Understand the jokes, but it's in the energy and it's in the performance. And Bruce Willis was funny like yeah just, well i mean yeah he's just he was... charming and funny and he's that guy yeah uh so it's it's kind of odd to think that he became an action star just by being the funniest guy in the room kind of yeah but but a serious act like he's an actor who's funny it's not like a comedian yeah and we'll kind of get into bruce shortly here yeah but anyway it's um just so when you mentioned moonlighting it's just like that's where he he was a tv star and had done films, but mm-hmm. he was doing that. Was that's where he was? Yeah, that and was then, his, that was his bread and butter. Back but then. then I'm assuming Die Hard just changed everything for old Brucey. Certainly did, and he's still riding that wave today. He sure does. But uh, I remember it's one of my my more vivid uh, movie theater experiences. Sitting there in the back of the Jefferson Valley Mall Theater in Yorktown. New York. Isn't that uh, where all the kids make out in the back? Well, yeah. It wasn't me that night. Because <laughs> you were eight. Because I was eight. So. Okay, Not on my radar yet. Uh, anyway, yeah. But uh, love, love the movie. Great experience. Good. Um, Glad you enjoyed it. Action movies in 1988. Where are we with the action genre? We kind of hit a lot of this on the Predator show, which well, you can find in the archives. Well, like Rain Man came out that mm-hmm. year. A ton of action in that. Tons. Um, the know. shootout with Dustin Hoffman. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Uh, working girl. More action. Another 80, 88. Uh, but no, you had you had legit you had legit things with what? Well, the action genre was kind of at a high by this point. Yeah. Um, we've we'd already had the rise of Schwarzenegger and Stallone, mm-hmm. uh, and they were definitely at their peak by this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I. I feel like I want to say the majority of Arnold's action movies had already come out by this point. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Stallone. He had done, I think Rambo three had Rambo three came out in 1988. Mm-hmm. Um, all the Rocky movies, all the good ones uh, <laughs> had come out by this point. Red heat was this year too. Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Uh, Red heat, raw deal. Raw deal. Um, but action is, is kind of like, Especially after Top Gun, action the action genre was the huge. That was the money making uh, side of the business. I mean, that's where all the tons of the cash came in. Mm-hmm. 
and Arnold and Stallone were like kind of the faces of that. And you had your, you know, your Tom Cruise, your Harrison Fords who were kind of on probably that next tier. And then you kind of go down to like the Chuck Norris's and Charles Bronson's as you get a little bit lower. Sure. Some great movies from all of those people. Sure. But um, as far as the amount of money that was coming in. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is this is uh, this is following the Predator sort of formula, right? Of mm-hmm. just sort of big budget, sort of or not really. Well, Predator wasn't a big budget, but just sort of studio really getting behind a big action film mm-hmm. with like things a, you hadn't seen before. A vehicle, yeah, yeah. Huh. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I lost. Um. Yeah, you well, had Deadpool you, came out in eighty eight. The Deadpool, yeah, the, the yeah, Deadpool. you you still had Clint Eastwood coming out with stuff, and yeah. Burt Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Although Reynolds was kind of on the the decline as far as the action movies went, yeah. uh, Clint Eastwood was still pretty high up there. Mm-hmm. Deadpool was the fifth Dirty Harry movie. I think so. Right. I want to say it was the fifth. Is yeah. it the fifth of that series. Magnum Force, The Enforcer. I'm forgetting one. Uh, sudden Impact. Sudden Impact. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's always Sudden Impact. That's always the it's one. It's always the one. Just slips away. Sudden Impact. I thought that was with Jean-Claude Van Damme. That's Double Impact. Oh. <laughs> Don't you mistake those, you <laughs> son of a... You dumb... Wait, I thought that was the movie with the asteroid. That's Armageddon. No, I... Th- That's Deep Impact. Deep Impact. Deep Impact, <laughs> yeah. Damn, I was setting you up for... <laughs> <laughs> and I blew it. Um, so, what is... For those that haven't seen it, should we sum up the plot in about 30 seconds? You want to give it a shot? Um, sure. A uh, It's a fish out of water tale about a New York uh, City uh, police officer who comes to Los Angeles and gets caught up in the lifestyle at a Christmas party when suddenly European terrorists take over the building, capturing 30 hostages at a work function. And he's the only one who can set things right and rescue the hostages. Uh, and he finds himself in sticky situations um, and and almost gets himself killed in the process. Several times. Yeah. So high danger, high stakes, and um, lots and of... And high action. And high action. <laughs> and, and hot, hot people. <laughs> I was, well, like... I was like trying to think of like an action movie where like they have to mention the the hot female co-star, mm-hmm. which you know uh, there's beautiful women in this, but there's not that sexy, right? Sexy they're not, woman. They're not pushing they're the not sex push- side of it. Yeah, yeah. So I was trying to find something in there, which is find it. kind of just thinking about that. Feels like is Predator and Die Hard like some of the only big action movies where sex isn't. Like, I mean, you do see a naked woman for a second in Die Hard, but well, it's true. really not like presented as any part of the story. Uh, right. Yeah, there's no There's spotlight. no sexual tension really happening between anybody, yeah. any major character in, in either movie. Yeah, no, not really. Yeah. They're just, they just happen they to just be. They just did it without it. You know, it's, it, the movie, both movies could just be all guys and Predator is almost all guys. There's yeah. one female character yeah. who has a speaking role. Good for her. Well, these don't they don't pass the Bechdel test at all. <laughs> or even come close. <laughs> I mean in this movie there are two there's there's several females. Several females. We yeah. don't know all of their names, I th- I don't think. I think they 
the ones with, who speak, I think, are referenced with their names. I, think I couldn't tell yeah. you what their names are. Yeah, I could tell you a couple of them. But they don't talk to each other, much less they don't talk to each other about... They talk about men const- they just, constantly. Yeah. They're talking about the terrorists or they're talking about John McClane. Mm-hmm. John McClane is that 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 old scrappy New York cop. Yep. <laughs> what fish a great out of name. water. The every man fish out of water. Yeah. He's just he's finding himself in situations he never thought was going to happen. He did not think this was going to happen. <laughs> oh, what <boy>. a Christmas. <laughs> California. California. Uh, so this is actually based on a novel. If uh, everyone did not know that, it's a novel called Nothing Lasts Forever by Roderick Thorpe. Hmm. Uh, that is actually a sequel to another book called The Detective, which was made into a 19, I want to say 66 film starring Frank Sinatra. The character in the book and in the detective movie, his name was, uh, was oh boy, I just blanked on it. Joe, Joe Leland. Joe Leland. Joe Leland. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so it got changed from Joe Leland to John McClane. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, there are. This is a good book. There's. It's pretty. Die Hard does a pretty solid job of staying faithful to it. There's. It does make some changes, but I mean the whole general plot is basically the same. Guy trapped in a building, fighting terrorists. Uh, a lot of action. Jumping off the roof, like that's all in the book. Wow. A lot of the major sequences are in the book. I see. Uh, they do tweak a little bit why he's there. It's not his wife. He's he's an older police officer who is um, pretty close to retirement. He's coming to visit his daughter at an oil company, not a not the Nakatomi company. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a Texas oil company, and uh, while he's there. The terrorists are getting involved because there's been corruption happening and some embezzlement and that his daughter's kind of tied up in. And uh, they're there because of that. Ah. And uh, I don't want to spoil the ending, but there's it's not really a, it's not an uplifting ending oh. like the movie. Oh, no. It's a it's a downer. Oh, no. Um, and it doesn't have all the characters. Uh, there's no Argyle. Uh, there is a Dwayne T. Robinson. There is. Wow. Um, is there a Hans Gruber? There is Hans Gruber. Well, Gruber yes. Character. Yeah, there's a Gruber character. Yeah. Um, there's similar. There's similar characters. Not all of them are in the in the uh, in the book that are in the movie. Sure. But I recommend it. So if you guys can check out a uh, used copy, that's probably going for like two hundred dollars on. Amazon or eBay or one of those, uh-huh. you know, go for it. Okay. Um, and what's the name or of that Or call book? me. Just tweet at me. You can borrow mine. What's that called again? Uh, Nothing Lasts Forever. Nothing Lasts Forever. Sequel to The Detective. The Detective. All right. Uh, and if you want to check out the, the... If you're a Sinatra fan, you should check out that movie. Yeah. A little bit of a different take on it than uh, the, what, what Bruce did here. Okay. Bruce brought his own his own sensibility to the yeah. role. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. Got it, yeah. The funny thing is, though, <laughs> the funniest I love part to laugh. of the whole thing Go. is they had to contractually, they had to offer the role to Frank Sinatra. What? In 1988. Oh, my God. He's 73. And it was like, it, it was just, they just had to go through the motion of it legally. 
Imagine if he took the role. What the hell? He'd be like, yeah, I'm in. How would <laughs> I'm you, doing it. How would you even do that? <laughs> All right, baby. <laughs> um, well, that's uh, so. This is a this is a for a new generation. Mm-hmm. This action film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You wouldn't. I mean, if you didn't research it, you'd never know that this was related to the other movie. I was happy thinking this was an original screenplay. Well, you can go on your your merry way thinking. I'm that. gonna I'm gonna try to block all this terrible shit out. Well, it's. I mean, they like, veered it off enough that where you know it, yeah. it it is a separate story, but mm-hmm. in its foundation, it, it has ties to the other. Yeah. Um. So some of we mentioned some of the people who made the movie. We talked about Joel Silver briefly. Mega producer. Mega producer. Sure. Some of the like we talked a lot about him in the Predator show. Yeah. Uh, some of the biggest movies of the '80s. Some of the biggest franchises uh, he was involved with: Lethal Weapon, Predator, Die Hard, uh, lots of other movies. Commando. He was very heavily involved, specifically with the action genre. Uh, Forty Eight Hours. Uh, I keep losing my train of thought. Yeah, but that, I mean, he's 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 a mega producer. He's a mega producer, and yeah. it's still going today. He's Great. still still pumping him out. He did the Matrix movies. Mm-hmm. I never heard of them. Oh, oh, they're great. You should see yeah. them. Uh, never. The first one's called The Matrix. The Matrix. Let yeah. me write this down. The second M- one's A T R I X X. And the second one's called The Matrix Reloaded. Oh, okay. That sounds okay. exciting. Yeah, and then the third one's called uh, The Matrix Revolution. Whoa. I, Revolution? Re, rev, yeah. Revolu- sure. I think it's a singular. The singular. Matrix Revolution. Yeah. Revolutions with an S. I'm confident in that. So he made those. Did those make any money? I don't think so. Yeah. No one's heard of them. Mm-hmm. Who directed it? Who directed this movie? Not The Matrix. John McTiernan. Oh, man. Director of Predator. We keep we keep see. There's all these Predator ties. John McTiernan. Uh, this is his third, his third film. Right. I mean, the track record is pretty good. He's coming off. Point. He's coming off Predator. Like this is it. Give him that. Give him a new action vehicle. Two out of his first three movies are iconic major league action movies. Good for him. This He's is, that's why he went to film school. He wanted to make action movies. You know, if we ever do a reconsideration Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. you'd have to put John McTiernan in contention. Joel Silver is a sure bet to be in there one day. Sure. I mean, that's going to happen, whether it's, okay. you know, year one, year two, three, well, four. The selection committee will talk about it. I don't know. Yeah, well, we got to go to the committee. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so, speaking of Predator, yeah, Arnold. This was originally when they wrote this version of the movie after Sinatra passed, mind you. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, it was a vehicle for Arnold. It was another. Uh-huh. It was really being written for him. It was uh, redrafted as a sequel to Commando. Ah, so he was the original intention was for Arnold to be the guy, and he's going to play John Matrix. Um, I'm assuming with the wife or ex-wife storyline in here. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if Alyssa Milano was going to be running around again. <laughs> but uh, I could see that. I mean, I could see that being done. Sure. 
a but natural it, progression, another yeah. adventure. Yeah. For him. Yeah. Uh, but at this point, Arnold kind of wanted to do his own thing. He wanted to step back from the almost 10 years of straight action movies that he was doing. Mm-hmm. So he passes on this so he can do twins. 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 You know, you never say it right. Sorry. Um, well, could you imagine Arnold crawling through air ducts? He'd never fit. <laughs> He's just too big. Those shoulders and those arms? Forget it. Yeah. So it just automatically doesn't work. Yeah. Like this would have never worked with. You can't Arnold. do it. No. No way. I never. I would. I would laugh. <laughs> How ridiculous this this movie would be with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> uh, Bruce Willis. What's his deal? Uh, we talked about Moonlighting, but yeah, he was mostly known for kind of lighter comedic roles. I, re- I remember seeing him um, as sort of the villain of the week on an episode of Miami Vice. Oh, really? And somebody, like, the last, like, scene of the episode is, like, he's arrested and he's getting, like, they're about to put him in the police car and his, like, wife, like, just walks up and shoots him. Oh, my God. I was, like, I, for some reason that really disturbed me. Like, Miami Vice has some really dark episodes. Mm-hmm. And that was something that just, like... There's something about him being, even though he's a villain in the episode, like he's handcuffed and de- defenseless, and for some reason that really like struck a chord with me. I would think so. Yeah, as like a six year old kid. Yeah, <laughs> you're a child watching Miami Vice. It's like the opening part of Scrooged, you know, uh, where he's playing his version of Christmas, and he's playing all the kind of like, oh right, fucked up. Like yeah. little sequences uh-huh. that where they pull up, like the one car pulls up to the other, and the guy pulls out a shotgun and sh- like shoots at the camera. Disturbed me. That's just the is that the opening sequence of Scrooge? Well, not the opening, but that's that's um, his like when he's presenting his presentation of his pitch for the Christmas special. Oh yeah, it's all these like it's really terrible things up. that go on in the yeah. world, and you need to watch this Christmas special to feel better. Exactly. Yeah, that's a. I got I got confused there for a second. Uh, so he is Bruce Willis is actually making Moonlighting season four while Die Hard's being shot. Whoa! So talking about a crazy schedule, he would shoot Moonlighting at the Sony lot during the day, uh-huh. and when he'd wrap from Moonlighting, he would go over to Fox huh? and shoot Die Hard all night. He was working like twenty four hour days. For I don't know how long, but oh my lord, that's an insane schedule. Yeah, I don't know when he slept. Oh my god! But that is that is that's brutal. At least uh, at least the studios aren't that far from each other. Yeah, but I mean, this was his opportunity, and he knew that. Yeah. And this was it's kind of make or break. Yeah, he's gonna make this work. Yeah, and I think he was willing to do whatever it took. He him. wasn't. I mean, by this point, he wasn't happy on Moonlighting. They. Him and Sybil Shepard did not get along. Whatever it appears on camera, uh, they did not like each other behind the scenes. It's kind of a famous rivalry. Uh, Like, they weren't... I think it got to the point where, like, they couldn't be on set together. Oh, wow. Like, and there are other shows, some recent ones, too, where some of the stars just... They couldn't... You have the male and female lead, and they can't be in a room together. So how do you write the show? Yeah. So Sometimes uh, you just cancel the show. I think at this he saw this movie as a way out for him and a way up in a big way. Sure. Um, so he was going to do whatever he had to to make it work. Hmm. Uh, he was a uh, 
a bartender too. That was before he got in the uh, in the acting business. He was a bartender, and then it became an extra, and then then an actor. Wow. He just he just weaseled his way just into the business. Weaseled his way right in. That's what he does. Just just jumped over the fence in one of the lots, and he, then there you are. He just <laughs> that's he, he's just that charming bartender who yeah. just made it work. Uh, Alan Rickman is as uh, Hans Gruber. Right. Is this so? Alan Rickman has tons of amazing characters that he's played and amazing performances. Where do you where do you kind of put Hans Gruber on that scale? Uh, top seven. Well, of course. Top top five. Well, you tell me when. Top three. Sna- better than Snape? Worse than or not worse, but. Uh, Snape a more I mean, engaging so. character. Yeah, I mean, well, we had a lot. We had a lot of time to spend with Snape. We did have, a, yeah, we had seven movies. He's great. He was fine. He was great in as Snape. I don't know. Yeah, Hans Gruber's fine. I just think Hans. He's not like the greatest character he's ever no, played, though. No, no, but he's an engaging character. Sure, there's something you know. He's That's, charming. He's no. uh, there's there's a lot to. I mean, granted, he's a super villain and a murderer. Yeah. But there's something kind of like charming and likable about him oh, too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, he he brings that to it. He you you're enjoying him because he's not he. It's maybe it's his accent. Maybe it's just the way he presents himself as just sort of. He's got a lot of charm behind everything, and he he has a lot of brains behind it. His character's got all the brains. Like he's a smart guy. He's mm-hmm. he's got everything. He looks good. He dresses well. He's he's meticulous, and he doesn't suffer fools yeah uh, so uh you know yeah hans is a lot of fun to be around and he and he has a you know that's he knows how to quip you that's know? what he He's was funny. known as just fun to be around just fun that to was be in around. his like high school yearbook yeah i mean so for me it'd be you know maybe either snape or uh his character in galaxy quest oh yeah top two yeah and then galaxy quest. and hans gruber they're all just sort of mixed together just that that kind of guy just a great actor and this was his uh this was his first American film. Yeah, that's crazy. This was the introduction for the American audiences to Alan Rickman. Yeah. Kind of an awesome way to like make a splash. Literally. <laughs> if you count, Spoiler alert. If you count the ending. Because <laughs> you assume there'd be a lot of... And actually, I think this splash. is his first film performance period, not just in America. He was a, the- uh, he was a theatrical performer up to this point wow so he had not been in a film before yeah holy cow and he had just moved to la Mm -hmm. and like within three days he got the offer to play this part and turned it down uh mctiernan and silver had seen him in in the dangerous liaisons play holy cow and like knew immediately like that's hans so they offered it to him and he didn't want to do it. He didn't want to be typecast as a villain. Yeah. Which is kind of what happened. I mean, he has Robin Hood immediately after this. All right. Or, you know, a within, couple years. within like two years two, after years, this. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, that's some very high profile movies where he's playing a villain. I think it took throughout the 90s to kind of shake that off. Galaxy Quest was probably a big way to, to you know, shake off the villain yeah. stereotype for him. Yeah. Uh, he became a, a hero to, to us all. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it funny that Galaxy Quest was only 11 years after Die Hard? Yeah. It like, feels like it was much later. Yeah. 
but like there's a bigger gap between those but but i think we're so far away from galaxy quest now that it all just seems ancient not in my mind (laughs) it's always 1999 oh yeah is that what that's why you're always partying (laughs) every day always partying every day because it's yeah yeah you know i I get it now i finally put it together Uh, and we've got a kind of really solid rest of the cast in this in this movie. Great supporting cast. Like there's a lot of good character actors. There's um, some actors who maybe this movie was their best role. Okay. But it, they work in this movie. Sure. Uh, Everyone it belongs here. No one's out of place. Right. Reginald Vell Johnson. The cop. I mean, Al. How many times did you see him where he wasn't a cop? Uh, it's very few times. I mean, he was a cop from like '88 through like now. Now, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alexander Gutnov, sure. who is a who's a dancer. Ah. Uh, before this, I could see that. But he like you totally buy him as a, a tough guy and an intense villain that. Uh, is going to go toe to toe with McLean. Yeah, I think because he's like six foot eight, or at least he seems to be that way, just because he's he's jacked. He's got that hair and that giant face. I saw the Money Pit after this movie. Yeah, it's so weird watching Money <laughs> and it's Pit. It's so weird seeing him in that. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, I expect him to be a super villain in the Money Pit. Exactly. Right? Yeah, because he's he's not really a villain. Like, you know him from. I mean, he's so he's a villain because of Die Hard. Yeah. It's hard to see him as anything but that. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, he he passed away uh, in the late '90s, I believe. Yeah. Um, which was kind of sad. Uh, Bonnie Bedelia is uh, Holly McLean, Holly Gennaro McLean, mm-hmm. uh, who Bruce had had like handpicked her. He had seen her in a movie and just like really loved her look and wow, yeah. But lucky her. I yeah, guess. good for Bonnie. Way, way to go. Uh, I've I'd heard some. I don't know how true it is, but I had heard that there was behind the scenes tension between what after filming started between Bruce and Bonnie. Oh, uh, and that may be why she is eventually, you know, no longer a part of the oh, franchise. Really? They barely spent any time together in the film. Well, I think. I don't think Bruce was the easiest person to deal with, especially in the '90s. Oh, is Bruce Willis kind of an asshole? Uh, kind, <laughs> kind of. No, yeah. really, <laughs> Bruce Willis? Shocking. Uh, well, you know, we all have I've our personally d- witnessed a thing or two. Oh. <laughs> well, we all have our demons. We all have our our ways. We mostly at the negotiating them. table. That's where it went sour with us. <laughs> with the, okay, got it. At the table, we just had to. I just had to walk away. Yeah, you, you left. It, you just left. You, were you know, I offered. He countered. I, I had to. I had to leave. I couldn't. It's couldn't a, even. I couldn't even entertain the idea. It'd of be what, insulting otherwise. Yeah. That's usually what I do. I just walk away when I'm unhappy with you something. You keep blowing all these deals by walking away. <laughs> just, I don't say a word. I just put my pen down and out the door. <laughs> Never to be seen again. To my limo, off into the sunset. Yeah. Boulevard, and then I make a U-turn. <laughs> don't tell them where our studio is. I didn't. That's why I make the U-turn, so they can't follow <laughs> us to it. Who else is in this movie? Uh, we've got uh, Hart Bachner, who is... Fantastic. He may be oh, my favorite character. He plays the L.A. guy, Ellis. Ellis, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's just, so smarmy and yeah. really like... Because if you've seen Hart Bachner in other movies, he's nothing like Ellis. Oh, really? 
and he does a voice on uh, Mask of the Phantasm, Batman, wow. Batman, the uh, Mask of the Phantasm, the animated film. Okay. Um, anyway, but that's uh, one of the things I've heard his voice in. Mm-hmm. But he's been on other shows, and he doesn't like without the beard, and without that kind of like, kind of slick asshole kind of attitude like you don't even recognize him no kidding uh but so great my a couple of friends and i used to just quote ellis lines back and forth during class and stuff <laughs> booby i'm your white knight <laughs> uh james shigeda uh-huh uh is in this he was uh, uh more of a character actor he was in the battle of midway uh the, the film um he also passed away a couple of years ago, unfortunately. He played Mr. Takagi. Mr. Joseph Takagi. Joseph Takagi. Uh, William Atherton, who is a yeah. world famous, uh, was known as for playing assholes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> while he isn't one in real life, and I'm I think sure he's quite charming. He well, the bummer is you know, between Ghostbusters and this, and Real Genius, and Real Genius, it was like one after another and they're all big movies mm-hmm. um he kind of i think stepped back from acting because he couldn't he was typecast yeah. it was really hard for him to find roles no one would buy him as like a nice nice guy yeah like the dad in something yeah. like, like the loving father guy <laughs> just always a douche but he's so good at it i mean he had a talent for playing those kind of roles yeah uh paul gleason who plays deputy chief of police Dwayne t robinson mm-hmm if they sold diehard action figures, I'd probably buy a Dwayne T. Robinson one just to have it. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> just to know that they made an action figure of Paul Gleason. Well, sure. He deserves he deserves at least one. He was obviously the principal in The Breakfast Club. Yep. Uh, very. That's probably his highest profile film besides this. But I always remember him from... Do you remember those two Ewok movies, those Ewok Star Wars movies? I, I never watched those. I, I had them on them. beta. Uh-huh. Uh, the Battle for Endor, and I think it was like the Return to Endor. Uh-huh. And he's he's, he's I don't you know I don't remember which comes first. I haven't seen them in about twenty five years. Uh-huh. I know his character. He's like the father to like a kid. The kid's the main character, uh-huh. and he like dies. Oh. And she like find like he gets shot by stormtroopers or something, and oh. she like finds him, and they're on they're on Endor, yeah. And she finds him, and like he like gives his death speech, and as a little kid, that was another one. I was just like I always tugged my, my heartstrings. Oh man, yeah. So he, I kind of was introduced to him as like the fatherly, you know, uh, sweet dad, mm-hmm. not having seen Trading Places or this or you right. know, <laughs> Breakfast Club till a little bit later. But. Yeah, he played uh, Jeremy Tawani. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you remember Jeremy. Yeah, Jeremy. Jeremy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I've never seen them. Uh, I've never seen those, that movie. Uh, I bet they're on YouTube. I'm sure they are. I, I probably don't need to, to go hard. You don't need to, like, devote four hours of your time to those two I'm movies? I'm good. I'm, I'm watching Ozark right now, so I'm just... I'm, I'm blowing through that. Do you think there's a reason those two Star Wars movies have kind of been forgotten by time? Uh, I just think it uh it's probably just it's too, it's too good. Unless you're I mean you I know you were a it. member of the Wicket fan club. Mhm. That was around in the 80s. I was a Wicket head. Yeah. W- yeah. Are you kidding? 
Everyone, every, for three years in a row, I play, I was wicked for Halloween. Three I, years. And you were you were talking about bringing it back this year. Yeah, I mean, this would have been the perfect year to do it. Well, then you gotta see those movies. Well, I guess I should. For it's, between Wicked and Paul Gleason, come on, you gotta be there. Is Wicked in those movies? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, that's the, the, the starring the Ewok. girl. The little girl like joins up with the Ewoks <laughs> to fight back. All right. And I think there's some monster or something. There's a big monster. There's got to be a monster. Got to be. All right, anyway, enough of the um, Ewoks. We've got Anybody uh, else? Clarence Gilliard Jr., who is also n- better known as Walker, Texas Rangers sidekick. Oh. Definitely check that show out if you haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's a real piece of uh, heaven. Uh, the only I, – I never sat down and watched Walker, Texas Ranger, uh, but I do remember watching uh, Conan. Uh, the walker texas ranger lever yeah yeah the the lever and he would just pull it randomly Mm -hmm. and then show clips funny i love that stuff so good highly recommend guys take a minute out of your day Mm -hmm. to check out that the walker texas ranger lever from conan for conan Conan o'brien when all of his show archives are going online very shortly Mm -hmm. i'm hoping that they have the rights to do those i hope so too yeah but you can just watch episodes and the, with the full like clips of everything. Oh my god! Also, check out the opening credit sequence to any Walker Texas Ranger episode. Uh-huh. Um, just brilliant. Oh, all right. It'll yeah. Is there a lot of kicks? <laughs> There's a lot of spin kicks. <laughs> There's a lot of them. But he's the guy in the show. Like he doesn't really do anything. He just kind of repeats information uh-huh. to Walker. Uh-huh. Walker, the- they they took her. They they kidnapped Jane. The stuff we just saw. The, on the screen. Yeah, yeah. He just narrates. Yeah. Because he's like another cop, right? He's he's, a, he's, a, he's his partner. Yeah, he's, he's partner. a ranger. But like Walker will come in and like kick everybody's ass, and yeah. then Clarence Gilliard will pull up in the van and, then and like get arrest out. Them. Like yeah, you did great. <laughs> yeah, he'll arrest them. He'll throw them in the van. He's got to do all the paperwork yeah. for Walker. <laughs> <laughs> and then they end every episode like at the bar with a joke, you know. Of course. Ah, those are the days. Yeah, solid, so, solid, uh, solid cast. And rounding out the cast, uh, Agent Johnson and Agent Johnson. The Johnsons. The Johnsons, no relation. Grand L. Bush and Robert Davi. Uh, Robert Davi from The Goonies. Everyone knows yep. him from that. Sure. Uh, both these actors were in License to Kill, uh, James Bond movie, the final Timothy Dalton James Bond movie. Saw that in the theater. I I did too. <laughs> that was the first James Bond movie I saw in the theater. Same. <laughs> and I've only seen a few in the theater. That's probably the first James Bond movie I saw start to finish. Oh really? Yeah. And then probably you're a Bond head. Nope. And it's probably the uh, I don't know from start to finish would probably have been the Pierce the first Pierce Brosnan one after that. Mm-hmm. So so yeah. So two in a row. So right in a row. Yeah. Like I was I was in and then after Brosnan, you know I've avoided what's his face. Daniel Craig? Yeah, just avoiding it. I'm kidding. Where, I where? love Daniel Craig. <laughs> Stormfall, what's Pro- it called? <laughs> Storm What the hell's the Storm Shadow. Storm Shadow. Yeah. It's a great one. The Bond movie, Storm Shadow. Storm Shadow. <laughs> So good. I would see a Bond movie called Storm Shadow. It's, there's swords, masks, <laughs> Cobra. Cobra. Yeah, that's the group he fights against. Cobra, yeah. Cobra. That's his, that's his nemesis. Yeah. And the Saturday morning cartoon is James Bond and the Storm Shadow. 
They're make they're still making them. I love that theme song. <laughs> Storm Shadow. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and Grandel Bush was a, another ca- uh, character actor. He's in a great movie, a great Dennis Hopper movie called Colors, also in, yeah. I believe, 1988 as well. That could be right. That's a great movie. We will cover that on this show. It's about kind of the uh, police, the L.A. police, and the gang wars going on in the 80s, but it stars Sean Penn, Robert Duvall, and Grandel Bush is one of the gang. Wow. I don't think he's the leader of one of the gangs, but he's like the second in command. Uh. Um Great movie. He also has a guest spot in 1988 on a little show called Werewolf. <gasps> you you did it. You, you brought that <laughs> word up. I know. I, know. I can't I, wait because at the right time, we're not going to cover. I'm just going to say, it's not going to be very often that we're going to cover TV things. But there are certain TV movies or feature length uh, specials or pilots that we will talk about. 1987's Werewolf is one of them. Okay. It's one of Fox's very first shows. Nobody remembers it but me and like five other people. Uh, But the pilot, which I made David watch, is great. The pilot's great. It's pretty good. The show, mm, not so much. But uh, we're going to cover that at some point. At the right time, I'm going to spring it on you guys. I mean... And then could we, if we're doing TV movies, what about Mr. Boogity? Um, Sure. Oh, man. Everyone knows that one. Didn't you ever see that? Uh, No. All right. Who's in it? Oh, who's in that? Uh, Richard Mazur. Mazur. Oh, yeah. Richard Mazur. Mm Mamie Kennedy. Mm -hmm. David Faustino. Oh, I'm there. Sold. I think it's a a family moves into some town and they're spooked by some local urban legend. Called do you, Boogity. That's all I remember. Do you miss the movie of the week, though? Remember that? Like, Sunday night, like, ABC movie of the week? Not really. I didn't really... I, did, I didn't watch... I, I just kind of watched my, my, my half-hour show, so I didn't really watch a lot of... I mean, I guess there's no need for movies of the week now because you have so many shows, but... Oh, you mean, like, do I miss it like they should be doing it now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. There's no such thing as appointment television anymore. No, it's gone. So it's dead. You just release, like Netflix, just release movies that you don't even advertise for, and it's just there. It's just there. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. Here's some crap. We don't. There's. We're not even going to bother with a with a trailer for you. Just watch it. <laughs> we're not going to tell you about it ahead of time either. It's just going to be there. Yeah. We're going to use algorithms. Algorithms will That's solve it. everyone's that, problem. That will. Uh, so let's let's get back on topic here. So Die, oh, Die Hard, Hard. Die we, Hard. We talked about the development of it. We talked about how uh, the novel and how they, you know, it morphed from uh, the original book form into an Arnold, a vehicle for Arnold. At one point, Clint Eastwood owned the rights to Nothing Lasts Forever nope. in the early '80s. Uh, he eventually let that go, but uh, so there was some interest from him. If you love something. Let it go. Yeah. And that's what he did. Yeah. Uh, Got to do that. But there was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of lead actors, like A-list actors, who they offered this, the John McClane role to, who turned it down. Want to go through the list? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Separately from Arnold and uh, Clint Eastwood, 
We had, of course, Stallone. Sure. Now, trying to picture these guys in this role, and with, would it have worked? Stallone, too. So, Get in those air ducts. I don't know. How are you uh, doing yeah. that? Just too, too thick. thick. Too, too thick. Too big. Uh, Richard Gere. He'd fit. But, yeah. Fit. Yeah. Um, Wouldn't imagine, have bought. <laughs> I've never seen anything with Richard Gere holding a gun, have I? Uh, Officer and a Gentleman. There's, there, he's done a few cop movies. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I don't, wa- I don't watch those movies. Yeah. The Richard Gere cop movie. If it's got a gun, David's not there. No, I'm not. I'm not into it. Um, uh, Burt Reynolds. Oh. a little too old, I think by this point already. Probably. Uh, Harrison Ford. Yeah, could have been cool. At uh, 1988's Harrison Ford. Yeah. 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 I would. I would have been into that. Harrison Ford is an action star, for what a solid, 15 years mm-hmm. straight, more. Or less. I mean, he does other films, but. Leading up right to about Air Force One yeah. in '97, he could do it. Oh, he definitely. So '88, yeah. Harrison Ford. Yes, please. Um, Don Johnson. Oh, still on Miami Vice at this point. Yeah, kind of at his career high. But that this could have been career altering, but only if he was Sonny Crockett. <laughs> it would be Crockett. Yeah, he'd need the you know the loafers and the. And he would have to rescue Holly Gennaro Crockett. Holly Gennaro Crockett. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Nick Nolte. Oh. Nah. Eh, no. Nah. I don't buy him as an action star. Uh, I went through a long phase where I didn't buy him as anything. <laughs> I I kind of appreciate older Nick Nolte now. Okay. And of course, I love Forty Eight Hours. So. Mm. Of course. It's very problematic. Uh, Mel Gibson, easy fit here. He would have been fine. Mel Gibson? Mm-hmm. Oh, I was thinking Mel Brooks. <laughs> I literally wow. was like, Mel Brooks? That's a really odd That is easily, conf- easily confused. <laughs> I just, for whatever reason, I, he popped in Mel Brooks would have been the perfect John McClane. <laughs> yeah, like, wow. With a sidekick of the 73-year-old Frank Sinatra. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, Richard Dean Anderson was hey, the last one. MacGyver. Was, MacGyver was probably, what, season three or something at this point? Maybe later. Was it later? Maybe. Um, but yeah, no, he was already, he had his, uh, his, what, action status on TV for, yeah. for at least a few years. Well, and then don't forget, don't forget Stargate. Did you ever watch that show? I did. It was not bad. I watched it that was okay. Bit. Yeah. It was very, like, it's low budget. Procedural sci-fi, mm-hmm. low budget. Nothing. I struggled. I watched the pilot of it. I struggled with the transition from the movie to the show. Oh, well. I yeah. was like, what? They just undid like some things from the movie, and well, you got to make it your own. You know? Yeah, you can't just be. And I struggled with um, anyone replacing Kurt Russell. Can't be done. So strike against MacGyver. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, MacGyver third season, probably just about. Oh, did I have that right? Well, yeah. <laughs> Finally, something you have right. <laughs> uh, the studio was so after all these guys kept turning down the movie it's they really struggled with they were starting to panic about who they were going to get yeah uh, they made a they ended up making a deal with Bruce for, for five million dollars which was like unheard of That's insane it was huge especially for a guy who hadn't really done an action movie yeah he'd done a few movies but they were comedies like Blind Date uh, yeah Blind Date and mm-hmm. uh Sunset Boulevard, I think, with um, with uh, uh, James Garner. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, uh, sure. 
I'll take your word for it. Yeah. So you know, no, not major, major movies, uh-huh. uh, but they kind of rolled the dice. Uh, Leonard Goldberg, who's the head of the studio, supported it and and you know justified the the cost of that you know that dollar amount. Like this is this movie hinges on this actor, so they deserve to be paid you know accordingly. Yeah. Well, all right. It well wasn't done. like a movie that was like equal time between actors, you know. Yeah. And I think they only spread out really the moonlighting schedule and Bruce's availability kind of helped the other roles because that gave them, they needed to film other stuff. So they had to beef up the other characters a little more, which is part of one of the best things about the movie is the, the ensemble, the there's Bruce and then there's the ensemble after him. Right. Uh, But they all, you know, seemingly have like almost equal time amongst themselves. So, we got that going I'm for I'm so it. sorry. I blanked right there. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to, I was just like to look at you. Like, yep. But they, um, when they marketed the film, they were a little nervous. So the first posters don't have Bruce on it. or mm-hmm. the, Not marketed after it came out, but when they were like starting to put together the promotional materials while they were making it, uh, there's, no, there's, there's no Bruce in the posters. Because like, if this doesn't work, we're not going to. Highlight We're going to hi- try to hide him as much as we can. Sure, yeah. So we'll just put the building with the explosions on it. And the w- the first scene that he filmed was him jumping off the building. Oh, wow. Uh, and he was kind of like questioning why they would do that. Uh, you know, to start, he's like, I'm, I'm not there with the character yet. And they were like, well, if something happened, then we wouldn't have to reshoot the whole rest of the movie. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> we could just reshoot this one scene. That's brilliant. That's uh, that's quite economical. Yeah, very. Uh, if something happens. Very studio like. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, originally, the in, in the original draft of the script, uh, the movie or the the story was going to take place over three days, like it does in the book. Uh-huh. Uh, McTiernan made the decision to model it after. He had just seen a Midsummer Night's Dream, and uh, where it all takes place in one, one night, and kind of that triggered him. Like, like no, let's just condense yeah. it to yeah. one night. Yeah, tighten up the story. Zoom through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was a great choice. My personal opinion. Oh yeah. Do you have anything bad to say about this movie? No, by the way, nothing. <laughs> I was gonna say like, not a thing. <laughs> You're like, well, I love every minute. Of I it. mean, I don't know what you think, but I think it's a great choice. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Nakatomi Plaza is actually Fox Plaza uh, in Century City. 20th Century Fox. 20th Century Fox. That's their headquarters. Yeah. They had just built this building and um, took advantage of the construction to, to... you know, use it for filming. Yeah, brilliant. So they could basically everything was was together. There was very almost nothing done off the lot, really. That's amazing. Yeah, very convenient. Yeah. Uh, they the level where uh, the that's like ma- under major construction in the like kind of the first part of the the action sequence of the movie. Yeah. Uh, apparently, that level became that floor was Ronald Reagan's floor, supposedly. He had offices oh, in that building. Really? Yeah. Huh. The president may have been right after. He was coming out of the presidency. Oh. 
Yeah, so, I, you know, I don't even know what Reagan did after he left the presidency. Uh, I don't so, think anybody really knows what he did. I think I'm sure he did a lot of things. For I'm a sure while. he just did great things. Oh, so he just had his his offices for his. Well, I mean, he was a he was in foundation. Hollywood before politics, and I think sure. always had some kind of. He still had roots there. So yeah, okay, I was watching the movie, and I'm like, oh, geez, like, what? Whose offices did this become? Like some accountant. Like, you know, this is where John McClane's bloody feet were. Like <laughs> I've, I've been in that building many times, yeah. and I always wonder, I'm like, where was this in the movie? Yeah, like, yeah. let's, I wish I could go back there. But hmm. is the, is the main entrance still kind of like the that? main entrance is, yeah, the main entrance is really similar. So mm-hmm. when you walk in and you, he would walk like straight to the security desk. Yeah. That's not where the real security is. Like the real securities to the left. Uh, oh. I'm giving away trade secrets here. Uh-huh. But those elevator banks are like exactly like that. They didn't move those. The inside of the elevator mm-hmm. matches. Oh, really? Yeah. Still? Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess it but would. they haven't like remodeled it since then. Yeah, why would you, I guess? It's yeah. thirty. It's only a 30-year-old building. But yeah, that's all. It's only 30? Yeah. 30, and the, 30, you know, the 30? plaza where, where Argyle pulls up is, you know, it yeah. still all looks the same. Neat. And for a while, I think they were when this movie like first came out and it was so popular. They had a lot of, a lot of people like fans coming up and taking pictures of the building and trying to get in. They had to kind of beef up the security. Uh, yeah. Security is pretty intense in that building, but I bet so nobody try anything. D- I don't don't no. It's a, not going to happen. Okay, no problem. Wow. Well, the um, there's well, a, there's a lot of. Uh, the ke- there was good chemistry between Bruce Willis and Alan Rickman. Sure, yeah, they're very charming together. There's a lot of their dialogue was loosely scripted or not scripted at all, and they just kind of came up with it. I mean, I think they had the plot points to hit, but as far as the like word for word dialogue, yeah. a lot of that came, you know, from them. Wow. One question I had about the sequence where where they confront each other where he where he finds Hans and Hans pretend Hans pretends to be Bill Clay. Oh yeah. One just maybe I missed something, but do we ever see maybe it's a deleted scene, but how does how does Hans know the name Bill Clay? Uh I mean, do we just assume that he saw that board where yeah. where Yeah, I think there's probably whatever they whatever coverage they shot of him noticing that board before it it just makes it clunky. Yeah, probably. And, and probably telegraphs like, well, oh, we're we're showing you show, looking at this, therefore it's important. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, then he made it work. Like, we can just dis- because McLean sees it, we know he's smart enough to have noticed it and mm-hmm. take take note. So, I'm sure it does not work if you set it set that up. Yeah, I I always thought of I always thought there was like a scene where he had maybe a confrontation or was using that guy's office for something or right. you know there's some there was some kind of tie to that yeah no, uh, it's it's just too high it's too hyper specific mm-hmm. to it to really be anything probably other than looking at that sign yeah uh the directory sign or whatever um yeah it would have just been clunky to show yeah. it I don't yeah, know, I agree. Because like, I, I don't agree. even think it shows up like even in the background of a shot or anything. No, like, that's what I mean. I like, I've looked for it, and like, yeah. you don't see it in any other spot. Yeah, because like, if he was walking at least away from it, you could, you could, you could make that leap again. But 
it's th- this might be the biggest flaw of the movie. Right there, like there, maybe the only flaw. Well, mm. um, um, that it's, 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 it's yeah, yeah. What you got? Something? There's a lot of smoking in this movie. Well, uh, yes, a lot that's of smoking. True, but of the day, yeah. that's that's what they did. True or false, John? True mm. or false? Okay, go. I'm ready. John McClane smokes five cigarettes in the movie. False. No, it's true. Five. That's it. Only only five. <laughs> Because it feels like a lot more. There's more. There's other smoking, but not even that much. Bruce Willis is the coolest looking smoker. Now, smoking's not cool. I'm not endorsing that at all. <laughs> Any smokers out there should stop. Don't tell them what to do. Well, they know. Own, they know. Health well, the they line, know. But, they don't need your. But I always thought as a kid, like it looked like Bruce smoking a cigarette looked always looked really cool. All right. That so yeah, the smoking biggest flaw of the film. Okay. I don't care what time of uh, time period it was made in. Any movie with smoking is off my list. <laughs> Never watching it again. <laughs> taking, so, taking some hardline stances. You, you're really narrowing down your uh, <laughs> choice of movies. I won't here. watch movies with smoking in them. <laughs> Big flaw. Anyway, back to back to the action. Um, the. So the shot where at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, when Hans is falling out of the uh, off the side of the building. Mm-hmm. So that's I mean, there's a whole famous story about how they, very famous story, very famous story. Run through it quickly. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's uh, fast. It is a fun, fun way to yeah, do anything that they it's it's a it's a way directors can sometimes trick their actors that they had uh, Alan Rickman you know harnessed up on a on a rig and he would they were going to draw on a, on the count of three they were going to drop him safely but quickly down to the you know there's a green screen or a blue screen below him yeah uh, just dropped to the mat and he was afraid of heights so he was having he was not really comfortable doing it yeah. but was gonna do it and instead they just on the count of one just let him go yeah. so that look is part of what makes it so Real is that it was real. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a genuine fear in Alan Rickman's face. Yeah, his his lo- eyes just widen. Like yeah. they were already like he's terrified, and then yeah. he he moves like maybe half a foot, and then he just he's just in total shock as mm-hmm. he falls. Straight. Yeah, it's a yeah. great shot. Uh, apparently, it was the last shot they shot of him too. They, and I think was... he got hurt too. Like I think oh, he really? hurt his back. Like, well, and then you know, this, and this is a thing of like. Is John McTiernan kind of an asshole because it's like a move like that, which is like to get tricking your actor to get a certain performance, which I hate hearing stories of that. Like, especially maybe not this one. This is a little more tame. Like there were safety precautions, whatever. But like, you know, Bruce Willis was shooting the gun under the table uh, and McTiernan made sure that the blanks they put in were the loudest ones you could. And then Bruce Willis suffered permanent hearing damage yeah there was a lot like reading so like researching this movie and then like coming up with that like obviously mctiernan didn't intend for him to hurt his ears but like the sound recording of the gunshots had to be louder than usual yeah to get the effect i'm like you're not even thinking about your actor so i'm sure mctiernan is a nice guy but like it's that kind of like power director shit oh is he a dick well (laughs) i'm making a face have you heard stories about john mctiernan well there's i mean he just got out of jail. He was in jail for quite oh, what, some time. What did he do? 
Who did he beat up? Uh, he hired, well, supposedly, and mm. I guess he was convicted for, uh, hired somebody to wiretap other people. And uh, <laughs> oh, so yeah. John McTiernan's uh, is is a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> he made great. He made a few great movies. Wait, we're celebrating John McTiernan and probably going to induct him in our Hall of Fame as and a director. A, and he's not, a garbage person. We're not direct. We're, this isn't like a. The committee's going to have a field day with this, this one. It's going to be a debate. <laughs> oh my god! He you may have just you, lost his. Nomination. You shouldn't have told me that. <laughs> we're I talking I, as a, a director or actors for some of these people. He hasn't made a movie since 2003. That's because he went to jail. <laughs> he went to jail. <laughs> and he just got out. And that last one was with Antonio Banderas. 13th Warrior. Basic. Oh, 13th Warrior is 99. Oh. Then hmm. he did the Thomas Crown Affair. Rollerball. Oh, was that after? Rollerball oh, with oh. Chris Klein and LL Cool J. Ooh. And Basic. I don't like even talking about the new Rollerball. I've never seen the new roller. Ball. We're going to watch. It looks the, cool. We're going to watch the old one with James Caan, and it's so I'm, good. I'm sure I won't. You'll like it. Trust me. Well, then we're watching the new it's one. It's a 70s conspiracy movie. It's oh, great. Uh, oh, all right. I'm in. Yeah. Um, oh, God. Wow. You just blew open the, f- the fucking door on John <laughs> I, I was going to not bring it up, but uh, we went there. You know so McTiernan, his career is in, in in the shitter. Here's what's funny: I had no idea about any of that. Really, I was just like, "Isn't he kind of just a?" It dick? was a famous thing. Like, I I just didn't keep up with it. I didn't even realize. And I think there were people who were like, "Good," you know. Like, yeah. He he didn't have the reputation of being the the kindest to the actors. Oh, okay. So so me giving the benefit of the doubt, like I'm sure he's a nice guy, but no, whatever no. he did, that's why I made the face. <laughs> Well, okay, so I think we yeah. settled that. Yeah, he's, you know, it, it's that thing of like the power of a like that a director wields, mm-hmm. and certainly that's been tightened up uh, in the more modern era where yeah. it's just like sort of like doing whatever it takes, and and to, unless the actor's completely on board, like say, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio wrestling a bear in the in the woods in, in mm-hmm. the snow, you know, everyone's on board. He's not like necessarily taking advantage of. Yeah, someone because they're your actor. Uh, anyway, I just well, yeah. th- this is sort of a thing, right? Like we're, yeah. we're phasing this out at mm-hmm. this point. Yeah, this is the time period for sure when when movies were big, egos got just as big, if not bigger. Yeah, uh, and when these some of these actors became like gods, yeah. like Bruce would be at that level. Yeah, um, you know, it's easy for egos to be. Uh, for people to feed those egos and to let it grow, unfortunately. I see. Um, but anyway, uh, good. To, that was very interesting. Good to know. Yeah. Back to the action. Uh, the <laughs> one of the things I really like about the movie too is just is the the production design, the look of the of Nakatomi itself. Yeah. The exterior of the building, which wasn't you know the people who made the movie who designed it, but it's just a cool looking building. Mm-hmm. And when you're like driving down. Olympic or Pico, you're kind of always heading, you know, if you're heading west, you're heading straight towards that building. Yeah. And you can't miss it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just cool, like a cool L.A. thing. Um, but inside inside the lobby, not the lobby and downstairs, but in the where the party's happening. Yeah. Um, Was that built in the, in the building or is it that? No, that's on stage. That's a soundstage, yeah, right? That's okay, that's stage. what I thought. I'm like, that's it's pretty elaborate and 
it's like two stories interior mm-hmm. like that's a yeah it looks cool i think it was stage 15 or 16 at fox which is a big those are some of their bigger stages oh neat uh where this was shot oh cool um and it was uh, it was designed it was patterned after Frank Lloyd Wright's Falling Water, which was a house that he designed in Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you know of it. Have I've you heard been there? Of it. I've never been there, but uh, we talk about it every year and uh, on Frank Lloyd Wright Day. Oh yeah, because well, that's what you do. That's what you do. Yeah, I mean, we've all done it. <laughs> Not my first time. <laughs> Uh, but no, uh, I'm, I'm aware. I'm aware. With the uh, with there's a waterfall and that's kind of lifted right from that. Uh, oh, got it. That house. So very Japanese. Yes. I mean, it's got a Japanese. Well, yeah. feel. I mean, it's yeah. a Japanese company. There's Japanese. Yeah. You know, design elements all over the place. Absolutely. Yeah. I wasn't. It sounded a lot more sarcastic than I meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's fun. One of the little subtle funny things that I I caught this time around on the movie was um, Takagi's little subtle jabs at uh, at like America. Uh, like what? When he when he makes that joke that like Pearl Harbor didn't work, so he got you know they got the oh. Americans with tape decks. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And then later the password is Akagi, which was the ship that one of the one of the ships that was oh. very big in World War Two and oh, with right. the Japanese army. But right, 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 right. yeah. Huh. Huh, good call. Uh, so yeah, a lot of uh good call. Little caught the caught that this time. Little gems you, never, you find the more you watch it. Never really you never really picked that up on no. until I mean I heard the line, but I didn't really think about it. Yeah. Um it's a little clever. A little too clever. Uh Michael Kamen's score, which is Kamen. Cayman, that's what I said. Oh, okay. Michael Cayman. Cayman. The late, great Michael Cayman. Yeah. R.E.P. Uh, his score was... I, I. This is one of my favorite movie scores. It's great. They're, uh, it, well, and maybe it's because I've listened to... I've seen the movie so many times, but there's just certain beats, certain moments where my body was expecting the score as it came. And it yeah. just felt like... Ah, uh, there it is. Like, well, it's such a part of the movie. Yeah, I mean, like Nakatomi is a character, really. The Nakatomi building is like, <laughs> right, basically another character in the movie. It's like New York City and all those New York City movies. Exactly, New York <laughs> City is always a character. It's always a character yeah. in the movie. <laughs> L.A. not a character, but it never is. New York, yeah. Um, but the music is such a, like an important piece. There's so many emotional things that it does to you without you realizing it. Mm-hmm. That uh, it's 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 really great. I mean, he's got a great score in uh, the Lethal Weapon series too, and this sounds very similar to that. Mm-hmm. But all the, I mean, Ode to Joy is a major part of the part of the soundtrack of this movie, mm-hmm. and that is morphed into his score as well. If you listen to it, there's like a lot of versions of that throughout the movie. Yeah. Uh, just nice kind of refer back to that yeah I agree with you there's other you know there's other bits of music in here that aren't Caymans like at the end when when Carl like comes back out at the end and Mm -hmm. and uh, is gunned down Mm -hmm. spoiler alert Um, that score is from Aliens oh really yeah it was temp music that they put in James Horner's score when when like when uh not Ripley, but when Bishop's flying the that plane and they're escaping the planet, 
Uh, that oh. was that. That was the temp. Score. That was the temp score, and they're like, mm, "This is pretty good. Let's just leave it." Oh, I see. I mean, they they owned it, so. Yeah, yeah. Oh, neat. Yeah. Huh. Uh, and then all the obviously all the Christmas music and the Christmas jingles and keep reminding you of that Christmas. Hey, and this Hollis. this Christmas and Hollis, one of my all time favorites. I'm sure it is. It is because of this movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who doesn't listen to Run DMC on Christmas? That was a hard single to come come across when you were trying to buy the tapes. Oh yeah, according to my brother back in the day. Well, and then this score, like they they the most of most of the releases of this score have just been Michael Kamen's music, right. mm-hmm. but there recently there have been other versions that had all the rest of the music too, uh, which would be tracks. cool. Neat. Yeah. Huh. Uh, Soundtracks, love them. Mm-hmm. So what makes this movie work in 2018 versus all the zillions of action movies that have come out since then and imitated this? Why do you think this like stands stands up still? Uh like you're putting me on the spot here. I'm putting you right on the spot. <laughs> I know what I think. It's uh it's um, it's one of those. It's one of those things. Let me tell you. <laughs> I've been thinking long and hard about it, and I just came down to it. It's just one of those things. <laughs> um, but the script is so so put well put together. There is a. I mean, it's would tight. you say it's tight. it's tight? It's tight. It's tight. The it's it, everything is not. Everything's there for a reason. Yeah, the foreshadowing is all there. All the setups and foreshadowing are not simplistic, but everything makes sense to like why you're even seeing it, and it, you don't you don't have to spend any time with it. It's not like 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 I said, like if they showed the sign in that one sequence with Alan Rickman, you know there's mm-hmm. something. But the the yeah, those types a lot of, of things. There's a lot of clues in the beginning. Suddenly, like, I'm just stuttering, <laughs> David. Today, um, there's there's a lot of clues like right in the beginning of the movie. Like they're they're dropping them pretty heavy. Yeah. Which, the first time you watch it, obviously you don't know that they're there. Yeah. You don't know that you feel important. the payoff later, but you can appreciate it the more. I think the more you watch it, the more you kind of see this all the stuff with the pictures and the yeah. watch and yeah. there's you know everything with Argyle. Like there's. There's so much like just kind of laid out right in the beginning, and that's a good, that's a solid screenplay, right? That's putting all that there. Yeah, it totally works. It's not like sort of like where I think in modern modern movies where it's like, well, we got to make sure we do this part. Let's telegraph it. Mm-hmm. Like this is a thing. Like they make a bigger deal of like slamming the photo down because, like you know, th- we got to look at that later. But it, you don't even think about it. It would make sense for Holly to to put the put the picture down because she doesn't really know how she feels about him. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, it's like it totally works. Well, th- yeah, that's that kind of leads into my other point. Like logic. Yeah. This movie has a lot of logic for for the world that it's in. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's everything makes sense. Everything these characters, if you just look at each character and their motivation and what they're doing, it makes sense the motions that they go through. Right. Um, there's really no like, Oh, that's ridiculous. They would, they wouldn't have done that. Right. There's none of that in this. The characters are 
they act to their intelligence mm-hmm. that you see them. They're, and they're very clearly like laid out. Um, Takagi, Ellis, uh, Al Powell, like they're all, you know, they they it's set up what they're going to do, mm-hmm. and they are loyal to that. They don't do any swerves and any, you know, there's no like right turns that come out of nowhere that take all these characters in different directions. Like, yeah. Um, you know, you know what kind of people they are right away and they stay loyal to that. Yeah. Yeah. They, they don't have some strange little arc or same strange little like uh, external force that alter that forces them to alter course. Right. Like they, they're just, they're all in this predicament together or a conflict and everyone's acting the way they, you would buy it. Yeah. Like Powell, like Al Powell is not going to go in that building and try to help John. Right. I feel like in a modern movie, like there'd be a sequence where like Powell just has to like help and he goes in and maybe he gets killed or something. Like right. Al Powell is not that. He no. is a a you know, non-action policeman who is going to stand there and talk on the on the radio all yeah. day all night. He's going to be his John's connection to humanity right. while he got to kill a bunch of guys. And there's no like like Dwayne T Robinson. There's no like moral like turn for him where he like gets you know like in like in aliens i mean it works with lieutenant gorman Mm -hmm. where he like finds courage like right at the end like that doesn't happen with Dwayne t robinson that feels realistic to me like there's no surprises there ellis is an asshole and stays that way until he's out of the movie yeah He's he lives he lives his best life as yeah and then you know he dies but and there's no turn like oh takagi was in on it right yeah you know like that's how they got in yeah i will say though the one thing and maybe it is a modern sensibility i don't think if you if you remade this movie like he would have saved ellis somehow like or like i think he i kind of think he let ellis die um in a sense i do think there maybe he could have lied and been like okay i'm dropping them off at a thing like anything I get it, like it, 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 it makes sense in the script, but I think this is the one shaky part. I'm like, oh, he just kind of let he does kind of let him die, mm-hmm. knowing f- for him it's the greater good of like he needs to do that, yeah, like, to protect everyone else. It's not like he's he's got to do this so they don't get whatever they're after, mm-hmm. but because obviously it looks like the building could be exp- that many detonators, the building could be destroyed. Oh yeah, yeah. So I get that, but. I th- I feel like he kind of let him die. Like I didn't kind of buy I didn't buy Powell believing it, and I didn't really. And it, it's probably just the modern sense of it. Maybe I mean I don't think he was bad. I just think like he made the wrong. Ch- it's a bad choice. Mm-hmm. I think it's a bad choice for for McLean to. Have I'm done not going to say you know. I'm not going to say this is a perfect, flawless film. Yeah, no, I'm I mean, not, and not, I'm not trying to point out flaws, but I think I think this is the one thing I kind of had an issue with. Like oh, he kind of. I didn't believe Al and uh, and John at that point. Mm. Like he ha- he had to do this. Yeah, I could I could see that a little bit. But, but I don't think it's a. It doesn't take right. away from the rest of the movie. It doesn't take away from the you know the enjoyment of the movie. How enjoyable it is. Yeah, no, I mean, um, the other obviously the biggest part is is John McClane himself, mm-hmm. super relatable, realistic, down to earth guy. He's an everyman. Yeah. Um, he's not the thing about the Schwarzenegger and Stallone movies is that they're they're like gods. They're like Greek gods. They're not they're not 
of the people really maybe rocky in the first two rocky movies but yeah. the stallone of 19 by 1988 is that's long gone no um no. <laughs> so it's hard to identify you can still enjoy those movies but it's hard to identify with those characters yeah because they're just they're not you they're not they're not your neighbor they're not your friend um john mcclane he's not ripped he's not really in you know he may not work out at all yeah um he looks very plain dresses plain nothing really fancy about him yeah he's just a he's a normal cop he's mm-hmm. just a normal guy doing his job he's and he doesn't even come across as like they don't have to like uh give you his credentials that like he's got to be the cop that does the right thing mm-hmm. he's got to be the cop that works too hard that make like they don't set him up as a guy that like you you didn't have to believe that well, he's just doing this because we've we've set up that we've told you that mm-hmm. he's got this like moral like uh, idealism or about his job or anything. Mm-hmm. He's just a cop. Yeah, and like, and certainly in 1988, it's like cops are the good guys that always oh, yeah. do good. Like, yep. uh, and they have a job to protect people, so they're they're that's what they do. Oh, the cops are heroes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and God bless every every man and woman in blue, but. Uh, it's I just it was refreshing that it wasn't like kind of slobbering over the fact that he's a cop, mm-hmm. which I think in today's uh, an action movie today. Well, he's a cop. You would go through his military service, his training, mm-hmm. three cases he solved, the the girl he rescued from a fire, uh, the, <laughs> the the guy he saved from a, a gang, and the the five ribs he's broken mm-hmm. breaking it like. Okay, got it. You're you're a good cop who does good things. <laughs> yeah. This is just I, I'm yeah. just I'm going like I'm gushing over the fact that they didn't do this. Back yeah, then. yeah. <laughs> well, you he gets beat up obviously the whole movie. Sure, yeah. You know he's he's barely winning. You know this fight. Yeah, he's and good. he's just a sur- he's a good survivor. Yeah, and he's smart. That's the only way he's able to do it. Yeah. But like, look at. The John McClane in Die Hard Four or Five, I mean, it's a joke. Like that's not John, you know, that's not John McClane. No, no. Uh, in my opinion, we'll talk about the sequels a little bit later. But you know, and or look at any of the other Bruce action movies of the last twenty years, probably. Right. And they're they're just really like, you know, nothing can stop him. He's more of like a like a tank, you know. Yeah. Um. They'll they'll paint some character stuff on him as though yeah. he's like an underdog, but he's never the underdog. No, ever. He he's become as dominant in his action movies as Arnold or Stallone was. There, I remember the trailer for Die Hard Part Four, and that's the one with Justin Long. And uh, Justin Long is a he plays a character who who goes in McLean's custody. He's escorting him to a place, and then it's somewhere in the trailer, he t- he tells Justin Long, he just looks at him and smiles, and he's like. Don't worry, I got it from here. Like, that's not John McClane at that's all. That's not John McClane. Wouldn't have said that. <laughs> like, I know. got it from me. Like, I got the. I know exactly what I'm doing. And it's, the, I kind of like that movie uh, as it on on its own. And if it was just by itself, it's a fun action movie. I don't know, but that character. You want me to shit on it now or wait till we get to the? Calm down. But that character does not mesh with. The guy right, we meet in this one. Well, and then, like McLean being a wise ass to Hans, like he doesn't like Hans. Right. You know, he's like intentionally being a dick. Mm-hmm. 
you know, not like what I don't do know. In, in in the later movies, like he's he's just he's you know too cool for school. That he's whole the tough guy, the tough guy, yeah. the one liners. I mean, he's got one liners, but they make sense in this one. Yeah, you know, there it's they're forced one liners that a writer is writing to for the trailer. Right, right, right. Yeah, you know, it's uh... the, and I remember thinking that about Die Hard Four, like. This movie was made just for the trailer. <laughs> because everything big is in the trailer. Well, that's the problem with modern, tra- well, yeah. modern trailers mm-hmm. is they give you all the good stuff. And I'll say this, and I'll bring it up on another time we're going to talk about it. Having watched Home Alone uh, and then seeing the trailer for Home Alone, every single physical gag that is in that movie is in the trailer oh, yeah. for that movie. Yeah. I'm like... They did ev- like there's there's only one one physical gag they don't show you which mm-hmm. is kind of at the climax and but the re- every single head clunk and all that but it's like you could have saved something for I the know. audience yeah I hate when they give too much away like, and it's not like it's a spoiler thing it's just like no you're just leaving all the all the interesting visual stuff that you do in the movie yeah you're cramming into the trailer you're yeah like, let it breathe and you know we're still probably gonna go see that movie. Like yeah. How many times do you need to see Joe Pesci get clonked on the head? And you're like, oh, well, now I definitely got to see this oh, thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Is, yeah. But that's sort of the, like you said, the all jam-packed, all the action stuff in the trailer. You're getting everyone to go see it mm. in the big screen. And it's, it's always funny when you see a film, like if you've seen the commercial or the trailer for it, and you see the same line, the same sequence over and over and over. And then you see it in the film, and the audience just reacts huge, like... Like, like you didn't know it was coming. But wait, but you saw that like a thousand times. Like why? You, like I get it, but like yeah, it's it, that was always the strangest thing for me. Anytime I'd I'd seen the the advertisement so many times, and then people are reacting so big to the that moment. Mm-hmm. I'm like that's not that should be deadened to you. you yeah, should, there yeah. should be no reaction there. Yeah, agreed. Anyway, movies are fun. <laughs> Movie trailers are fun. But overall, just the whole movie works. I mean, I, I really, the, I have really yet to have anyone point out uh, something that doesn't work in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, the, I I have people well, I point out the one thing, the one thing, but anything major. I mean, <laughs> okay. I but I know there are a lot of people who don't like action movies and don't want to watch it. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, it's a preference. But like, my wife is not an action fan at all. And I got her to watch Die Hard a few years ago, and she was like, "All right, that was that was a good movie." Yeah, <laughs> you know? this, like you said, it, the story works. The script is solid. Yeah. everything makes sense. Yeah, it's enjoyable from from there's, story perspective. There's no betrayals to the audience. You know, yeah. everything everything has a purpose. And yeah, it's respectful to the audience mm-hmm. uh, and their sensibilities, and trust, yeah. and I think trust the audience a little bit. And there are, I mean, there are twists and and turns in the plot. Sure. But that's like that's all part of Hans's like overall plan. That's just a good storytelling. It's it's not like a like a trick. Like I was saying, like like oh, it was Takagi. He's not even dead. You know, like they what do you, that stuff. Now. What you didn't you didn't even know. What we we gave you no indication to. Yeah. So here's just here's just here's a just, turn. Yeah. We couldn't foreshadow this. We <laughs> we couldn't set this up. Or in the anyway. like or the um the uh, special agent Johnson, special agent Johnson, like. They're actually helping Hans, you know. Right, right, right. Like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. All these dicks on the on the ground 
are kind of like a bad guy for the good guys, but mm-hmm. they're they're still trying to like stop terrorists, right? Like if you look, like I'm saying, like <laughs> if you look at it from every character's point of view, it all makes sense. Yeah, what they're, all, they're doing, they're all doing the best that they think they're supposed to do. But yeah, like Dwayne, I'm gonna keep talking about Dwayne T. Robinson, but like you well, know, he's out there. He's probably not a great. I mean, he doesn't seem like he's a great leader. Uh-huh. He's in over his head, and that's why the situation is like not moving forward with him. Yeah, you know, it's just. That's as far as it's going to go. Yeah. They're going to keep trying things and it's not going to work. Right. It's, uh, I love that member that, that moment with the SWAT team mm-hmm. where they're, they're running, they're running up to the front of the building and the one guy like pricks himself on the thorn bush. Just <laughs> one of my favorite moments. Just a nice little just, detail. Uh, yeah. It has nothing to do with anything. Uh-huh. Could have easily not been in the movie. Just a cute little <laughs> human moment there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There was another, actually, uh, what, now that you say that, there was something else I observed that I can't remember now. But same kind of thing. Like, there's nice little Well, the, the, ter- the terrorist, uh, Al, I don't know how you pronounce his last name, Al Lung, mm-hmm. who's in Lethal Weapon, Big Trouble in Little China. He's got the big mustache. Yeah, yeah. Where he grabs the candy bar. He's oh, like, right. That's he's it. about to shoot the SWAT team That's guys, and you see him look down at the candy. Yeah. Like, just really great moments like yeah. that. It's not an overt, like, comedy bit. It's just sort of like... He's just going to grab a... I mean, same thing of, like, John McClane passes the same poster of a naked woman twice. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there's nothing, like, like gross about it. But it's just, like, he just... It draws his attention. But he's got to go back to... Yeah. He's, he's trying, he's trying <laughs> to survive. Like, but he, he's but he noticed, life. He's he like, noticed a girl with boobs. Yeah, <laughs> it just takes a second. Yeah. And, um, I think that's a natural reaction. Like, just nice... Yeah, like... Nice little subtle human mm-hmm. moments in the in the thing, yeah. Without being overt or and and really like that in any story, when you're loyal to the audience like that, that's going to help carry your film over time. Yeah. You know, in this, there's there's really nothing that dates it. Maybe a little bit with wardrobe. Um, the dialogue doesn't feel really any dated. It's not like. 80s dialogue is being thrown out left yeah, like, and right. Oh, that was radical, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's nothing silly there. Yeah. Um, the plot is obviously, unfortunately, like still relevant today. There's terrorism. There even is though terrorism. these, even these, even though these guys were technically not terrorists, they were exceptional thieves. And that was actually that was another McTiernan uh, element in this movie that he's the one who changed it from terrorists to thieves right so he kind of changed their overall plan yeah that that i think that works oh yeah i mean that's great it gives more depth to their characters and they have a they have an agenda it makes han a much more complex character that he's like he will kill people did i say han he said han Han solo but yeah yeah, he is han solo is a han solo is great in this movie (laughs) um no, but Hans is such a someone has so much more depth. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll kill people. He's not he's not that good of a guy. Yeah, but he's not a terrorist. Right. If he didn't have to kill anybody, he didn't. He wouldn't. But and he's only blowing up the building as a you know a distraction. Right. Although well, that's true. He was going he to was kill, gonna kill everybody. <laughs> and the FBI agents were going to allow acceptable losses. Yeah, twenty. He's like twenty five percent. So not everyone's so great. Yeah. <laughs> not even the good guys are all that great. But, yeah. It happens. But that's when you distrusted the government and the FBI. I mean, they're not the Avengers, okay? You were talking about that all day today. I can't stop. 
can't stop thinking. You just want Iron Man to come swoop in and Iron Man would have defuse the situation in uh, immediately five seconds. Yeah, but then again, it's Iron Man. Yeah, Iron Man was rotten in a comic book uh, at this point. He was rotten, rot rotting away, rotting away. <laughs> who could have who could have defused the situation? Take John McClane out, and someone had to come to the building and and fix it. Who does it faster, Iron Man or Batman? I've got I've got a better answer. Go on. Kurt Russell. <laughs> you know, How was he not up for this role? I mean, he, was, he, he was, had to be talked about. He was doing like Tequila Sunrise or something. I think that's true. Uh, he had to be. In Maybe it was about. Goldie's birthday. Yeah, the extended yeah, he vacation. He didn't do a movie his, of, a, uh, of a person's <clears throat> birthday. Yeah, probably. Yeah. That's what you take. You take not entire, available. Take six months off. Take, um, take me off the table. Yeah. <laughs> It's Goldie's birthday. We've got to go. Um, well, speaking of. Oh, we did speak of him. We haven't spoken of him in a while. I know. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of miss him. Do you think maybe just this once? And maybe we can just go take a take a little detour? Yeah, let's. we haven't been to the corner in a well, while. Let's go to the corner. Let's dust, um, let's get the, let's dust it off. All right. Yeah, Here we go. Here we go. It's, it's Kurt's Corner, baby. We're back. We're back with Kurt's Corner. All right. Well, okay. Quick quick few questions for you. Uh, number one. I think you already said it, but is Kurt Russell in this movie? Uh, he could have been. No, but, but he wasn't. He, he no. is not. not I, I, nope. Not on the last viewing of it. And he probably never will be. So that's unfortunate. But, uh, well, okay. Since he's not in this movie... Who's got the best hair? It's a good question. There's some nice dudes. A, I'm gonna say Bonnie Bedelia. She does have that. She does. It really, it really fits her. It's a very '80s, very nice hairstyle. Yeah, nice. But you know, um, Hans and Ellis both have like those nice long, like just the the, the, the full volume mm-hmm. heads of hair. Not that it's a great necessarily. Uh, it's a exciting style. It's, it's a male yeah. power person haircut. Yes, those are they're pretty nice. Yeah, I gotta say those are those are very nice. Looks, yeah. I'm just gonna say, I'm yeah, big fan, big fan. And Bruce, you know, had hair in this movie. He, he so. did have some hair. He was, there was there was some of. He was doing all right. Yeah. Uh, so does a 1988 Kurt Russell fit into this movie? Could, absolutely. Could we see him in this? Oh, absolutely, for sure. If he was John McClane. Wouldn't this be a pretty good movie? I, you know, like I'm not think, trying to take away. I'm not trying to take away either. But do you think he could have been a better? I mean, I think he. Could I think be. he could have been as good as Bruce. I think he could be better. He's he's got that charm, that funny. It might have been a every it might have, charm. It might have made the movie a little cheesy. funnier, cheesy, funny. Yeah. Um. You know, he, like he'd almost be Jack Burton. If he was Jack Burton, because Jack Burton is like not good at this stuff. Right. <laughs> he looks like he's gonna be good at yeah. this stuff, but he's not. But he does his best, and he prevails. And he gets knocked out, and then <laughs> wakes up at the end of the fight. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's, so just a just a higher level Jack Burton, mm-hmm. just someone who can. He's gonna try to do his best, get his get get in some fights, get into some scrapes. Mm-hmm. But over, uh, overall, persevere. Yeah, I think it'd be a great movie. Yeah. So Jack Burton, okay. yeah, I Kurt agree. Russell as Jack Burton as John McClane. 
<laughs> Kurt as Jack as John. Got it. Uh, and then finally, can you let's let's go let's connect this. Let's connect old Kurt here. Now it's easy to maybe go with young Brucey. Probably, yeah. I'm I mean, sure there's, there's they a... have a direct. I think we've even talked about Bruce Willis specifically. Uh, Grindhouse. Oh yeah. So, so yeah. they're both in. So let's connect Kurt Russell to our other favorite star, Mr. Rickman. Can you get it from Kurt? For some reason, I go right to Harry Dean Stanton. Why is Harry, has Harry Dean Stanton done a movie with that? Oh, I got it. Hit it. Yep. Uh, Kurt Russell. No, I. Yes, Kurt Russell, Harry Dean Stanton, Escape from New York. Mm-hmm. Harry Dean Stanton is Sigourney Weaver, Alien. Mm-hmm. Sigourney to Alan Rickman, Galaxy Quest. Ooh, wow. I like that. <laughs> That's great. Wow. My gut just said Harry Dean Stanton, and I went there, and, and you found it, it. Just found, it just happened. Wow, that's a, that's a great connection. Nice yeah. work. Boom. Wow. Welcome yeah. back, Kurt's Corner. Welcome we we back. missed you. It's so good to see you. It's okay to not be here every week. There's uh, there, The internet can get us a little closer, a little quicker, rather, because mm-hmm. sure. the internet uh, does There's, the work for me. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like your pathway. I want to watch all those movies. Um, Kurt was in Stargate with James Spader. James Spader and Alan Rickman were in a movie called Bob Roberts. Oh yes, yeah, so great movie. Uh, well, we should do. Let's do Bob Roberts sometime in put, our lives. Put it on the list. Let's do it by 2029. Uh, and then also Kurt was in Soldier with uh, Jason Isaacs. Jason Isaacs and Alan Rickman were in the Harry Potter films. Oh yeah, yeah, there you go. yeah. So Jason Snape. Isaacs was uh, Snape. Uh, that's not true. Yeah, it's true. No, watch nope. it again. Who was Alan Rickman then? Uh, Dumbledore. Oh yeah, Harry. Harry Potter. He played Harry Senior. There's a guy that works in a neighboring office uh, down the hall from me, who looks like um, like Harry Potter would right now. He's got a beard and the Harry Potter glasses and a little scar on his forehead. Is his name? His name's Harry. Ra- is his name Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe works down the <laughs> down the hall from me. That's, that's yeah, weird. it's weird, huh? Ah, <laughs> oh, well, great, great to be back in the corner. Yeah, thanks for thanks for taking us. Sorry there. we haven't visited with you, taking you guys with us, uh, but you know it felt that it was time. Especially if we're talking hot '80s action movies. Yeah, Kurt had to come back. We're, yeah, Kurt's and Kurt will be Kurt will be coming and going as Kurt always does. Yeah, he he comes and goes as he pleases. Yeah, he can do whatever. When he the wants. time's right, you'll see Kurt. Um, so let's get back to the action. Uh, so I think we should go right into, uh, I think it's time for some BO. So you want to talk some BO? Yeah, let's go. Let's talk some BO. What do you, what do you got? What are the numbers? Let's crunch them. So, uh, this movie was shot in November from November 87 to March 1988 over at Fox. Yeah. Uh, It was a budget of $28 million. It came out on July 22nd, 1988 on uh, almost 1,300 screens, which is a little bit lower than uh, than some of the big releases at that time. Sure. But they, they added screens as it went. Well, it started, yeah. It actually, the limited release was the week prior, yeah. uh, and then it kind of bumped up an additional 1,200 screens yeah, but uh, this I, week. But then ultimately, I think it ended up at 17 or something. Yeah, they, yeah, somewhere around there. Something like that, yeah. Uh, it had a seven point one million dollar opening, 
Yeah. That's uh, a lot of money. Not really. Not that much. As you, not as much as you'd think. No. And it was number three at the box office. Die Hard, the iconic, legendary Die Hard, was not number one. None, none of these action movies are really number one if you're not throwing in Sly or uh, well, yeah, Schwarzenegger. You know right. what I mean? So while it, it has that life and that, that energy... No, that's not a blockbuster. Well, this the, is not a blockbuster movie. At the time, I mean, I think the studio was right to be nervous that, that like, the audience didn't know him as an action star. So I yeah. don't think they were running to the theater like they would after this movie. Especially to Die Hard 3, 4, and 5. And 2. Also 2. <laughs> what, did, uh, what did it have to deal with uh, that week? Um, well, well, before we get that, let me just... It, it uh, domestic gross was eighty three point five million. Ooh, cha-ching. And the worldwide was uh, one forty one. So I'm almost doubled it with the the foreign box mm-hmm. office. Yeah, not bad. So I ended up doing okay. The foreign box office always loves American action films. Mm-hmm. You're always gonna get your money back uh, if you make an, an action film in America and yeah. market it globally. Yeah, yeah. always. Uh, but it, you're right. It did open up against, uh, or at least on its on its wider release, opened up against uh, a few movies that we may have already talked about. Ooh, like what? This is the first time uh, that we're talking about a movie or a, a opening weekend. This is the second movie for the same opening weekend. Oh, oh, what? Because this a opened competing. up against Midnight Run. Hey. Which you can check out in our archives <laughs> over at www.reconcinemation.com. Uh, so Midnight Run, Big Top Pee Wee, Caddyshack 2, and Oof. Die Hard all same weekend. So basically two sequels. Uh, Big Top, of course, almost basically a sequel to mm-hmm. The uh, Big Adventure. Yeah. Not I really mean, it's sequ- not really not a, really sequel, a sequel, sequel. It's just another Pee Wee Herman. Just an adventure. Yeah. Just another adventure. But what uh, of those four? What do you? What's got the lasting power? Um, Caddyshack two. Go ahead and say it. (laughs) No one really talks about any of those movies. Uh, The other three, I mean. Yeah, I mean, even though we we talked at length about Midnight Run, right, in our episode, but no one really references Midnight Run for any reason. Yeah, it's just a shame. Yeah, which is a shame. It's a, it's a, you know, solid. It's like one pie fight away from being a. A memorable movie. <laughs> uh, but all of those movies lost out to what was number one and number two that weekend. Uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Oh. And Coming to America. Oh, my God. Yeah, those were the big Those are some big crowd dogs. pleasers. And Die Hard did, obviously, has done well for itself. Die Hard did okay. Yeah, but yeah. that opening weekend, there's a lot, a lot going on that weekend. Well, it was a big summer because, like, Roger Rabbit came out late June, and so did Coming America. So it had been out; they'd both been out for about a month before Mina, and they were still raking in the dough. Mm. But, but those are the number two and three movies of the year as well. Yeah, Roger Rabbit and Coming to America. And Die Hard's like number eight. I, I have seven, but maybe eight. I saw seven, and I saw eight. I believe I would believe seven just based on numbers, but mm. it doesn't. I don't care. And what was Fine. number one? Rain uh, Man. That's right. Yep. We talked to we talked talk ten before, so I don't want to rehash it, but Yeah. It was uh Yeah. Die Hard did did pretty good. 
So yeah, for, but, for Bruce Willis's first action movie to be the top one of the top ten movies of the mm-hmm. year uh, at any given time, it was perfect. Yeah, nothing but good for him. I mean, when you obviously when you look at that list, Die Hard in the long term ranks way higher than a lot of those movies. Of oh, yeah. as far as as far as like general respect by an audience and and how much love people have for it compared to what. Oh, the other three. Compared to like Roger Rabbit, compared to Coming to America, <laughs> there's a way Roger bigger. Roger Rabbit. There's a way bigger audience Rod- for Die Hard. How many Roger Rabbit movies? What the hell are you made? talking about? Oh, please! <laughs> You're gonna use the sequels as the basis for Roger Rabbit made twice the amount of money and is respected for 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 the, for the achievement in film and animation. What are you sure, talking no, about? No, I, I'm not saying it's, it's beloved not, by generations. I'm not saying it's not respected. I think Who there's Frame a, Roger Rabbit is a way bigger movie than Die Hard. I agree to disagree. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh my god. Die Hard is a worldwide huge movie that has sustained an audience year after year after year. I don't think that there's an audience for Roger Rabbit oh like there god. was back then. Oh my god. I don't think you find people like tur- turning on Roger Rabbit that often anymore. Just saying. Well, if you want to get down to the fact that Roger Rabbit's a more complex story with a lot more interesting things going on that doesn't hold people's attention than a guy's running around with guns shooting each other where the story actually doesn't matter. <laughs> Luckily, it's a great story with a great script. But Die Hard is Die Hard's what you put on in the background while you fold your clothes. No. Yeah. No. Because you can look up at any time and be entertained. Roger no, you want to stay with the story. You, you want to stay with the story. Yeah. Roger Rabbit forces you to pay attention, and that's why it doesn't get flicked on at every holiday season. <laughs> we're going to cover Roger Rabbit, and we're going to continue. I'd this love to. Talk. Oh we my will. God. Roger Rabbit's one of the best. So good. We'll have to wait till. Uh, sit, I hope you're not going to be like Roger Rabbit isn't that good of a movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> or you're going to have to wait five years until its next anniversary, <laughs> okay. and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> Um, but ranking the Die Hard movies, as far as box office goes, mm-hmm. interestingly enough, this is number four. Yeah. And that's, I think, just part of the time period that it came out. Yeah. Uh, Die Hard 4 is number one, I'm pretty sure. I believe that's true. Yep. Yeah. It is. Um, Rank, you got the rankings? I you do. And then the number... Oh shit! Sorry. Number one is Die Hard Four. Number two, correct, is Die Hard Five. No, no, Die Hard Three. No, Die Hard Two. Die Hard Two. So it goes goes four, then two, then three, right? Then one. Yeah. Then five. Then five. Because five is the shittiest one. Five is pretty bad. Five is awful. Now let's just turn. Forget forget story. Forget box office, pure enjoyment level. How do you rank the five movies? Oh, pure enjoyment? Yeah, just, just one, three, two, and I wouldn't even say four or five. Oh, but. all right. I go one, three, four, two, five. I, was thinking two, I have an interesting relationship with Die Hard 2. Oh, I have minimal related. I've seen the movie twice. It's, it's kind fine. Of, it's fine. It's good, and it's, it's pumped up. It's good action. Mm-hmm. It's great. 
I, uh, but it's pure. It's but it's a lot. It's mostly a retread. Rennie Harlan directed it, and Rennie Harlan movies are not known for their like real savvy scripts and their smart plots, and uh-huh. it's just straight action. Oh, got it. Yeah. Whereas three, John McTiernan's back directing it. It's a little more complex plot. You've got a um, another famous uh, European actor as your villain. Yeah. Uh, with Jeremy Irons, yeah, um, so it gets a little more complex. Jeremy Irons and Sam Jackson. I mean, and by the time Die Hard Four comes out in two thousand seven, the whole action genre has changed so much. Yeah, it's it's that that movie is that era's version of an of a Die Hard movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I will say though, pure enjoyment wise, I had a lot of fun on that. It's a, it's way over the top, but not like transporter over the top. It's a little oh oh like like I him really fighting a, a jet is that's not a little that's more than a little over the top. He fought a jet and the like parkour <laughs> stuff and you know it's I have the problem. He doesn't with, do any parkour. No, but he's fighting the guy who's like bouncing all around and he does like one thing and he's dead. <laughs> oh, that's what the that's the Indiana Jones guy with the exactly the scimitar. He just shoots. The guy. Yeah. Not that, but Indi- this. See, I compare Die Hard Four and Indiana Jones Four. They're very similar to me. Oh no, just, I'm talking about our. Uh, I know Raiders. what you're talking about, but yeah, um, just like you know, in Indiana Jones Four, like Indiana Jones is old, much older, uh-huh. and fist fighting this big, young, strong, huge Russian guy, and he beats him. Like I don't buy it. I barely, I don't even remember that sequence you're talking about. <laughs> it's around the, the time of the ants in it. Okay, got it. Um, but anyway, so there's just, it was too unbelievable. Like yeah. all the reality that I loved about Die Hard 1 and yeah. 3, kind of, yeah. um, is long gone. Yeah, by I, get, four. I get that. It's changed quite a bit. Like, I, I mean, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I accept it as a, you okay? <laughs> John just saw a little mouse run by. <laughs> He he had a little. I don't know why we have so many mice in the studio. Get somebody in here. You'd think all those cats I released uh, over Halloween would still around. Yeah, I mean, why are they not catching the mice? (laughs) I guess they're not Mausers. Um, Well, so yeah, the in terms of four as a quality film, I I understand it's not a good Die Hard movie. Mm. I I will subscribe to. If if it's the action movie that can hold my attention with good set pieces, I'm like kind of in. That's the point, you mm-hmm. know. Thrill me, um, and as long as it you can bounce from A to B to C coherently, yeah, I'm I'm in. So okay. uh, that's why I, I kind of just t- take it as more of an enjoyment level of it's my third of the favorite. Okay. Of, of those movies. Yeah, I'm not gonna try to change your mind. Oh yeah, we're we're not here to, <clears throat> to do that. But we're all in agreement that five is the worst one. It shouldn't have even made it. It's really Re- bad. It's like, I can't believe it. It's so stupid. It's unwatchable. True or false, John? Wait, wait. I remember when Bruce announced it when he was on. I was Letterman or one of the late night talk shows, and he announced that they were making another Die Hard movie. Yeah. And just the lukewarm response from the audience, like, oh, and I was just oh. like, I'm, I have zero excitement. I think I was the same way. I'm like, dude, come just on, stop. Like, like you're it's just, okay. Yeah, you're, and if, I bet they'll do another one too. Yeah, I'm sure. And they're just gonna. They'll bring Michael J. Courtney back. They'll have it. It'll have a good opening weekend, and and that'll be it. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. John, true or false? All five Die Hard movies are rated R. 
False. What do you think? Uh, what do you think the correct information is then? Die Hard Four is rated PG thirteen. That's correct. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It was the more accessible of mm-hmm. the of the movies, and probably what contributed to its box office being yes. number one yeah. of the of the series. And I remember there being another cut of it that was rated R. There is an R rated yeah. cut with its own set of quotes that I, I was looking up. It's yeah. very fascinating. <laughs> it's a little more dark. Yippee ki Mr. Falco. <laughs> I, they actually cut the yippee ki motherfucker from yeah the PG thirteen. What? That's where you use the one F bomb. That's the betrayal of the audience like that you, they don't do in one. You you have one F bomb in your PG thirteen movies. That's where you use it. Mm-hmm. Unless I mean, because you can use. Can you say that word? The. I don't the think mo- so. I don't you, think you can you, say that. So you can only just say fuck. You can't say motherfucker. Probably. I, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Well, dang. Well, darn it. <laughs> anyway. Well, the. Uh, Movie kind of got mixed reviews when it came out. A lot of people liked it. Our good friend Roger Ebert did not like it. And the thing that bumped him, which was interesting to me, was Dwayne T. Robinson. Oh, really? He just thought that entire character took you out of the movie. It killed all the momentum. I don't think he had a problem with Paul Gleason as an actor, but just that that character really like mm. just stopped the movie dead in its tracks for him. I kind of, I kind of believe that i understand that mm, i can see that i don't i don't agree with it but i can see it yeah because he's, he's already got enough problems like like mclean's got enough problems mm-hmm. yeah yeah al's got enough problems and then now this one cop he's just not believing one of his guys like he's just yeah. al's just like oh this is what's happening this is what I, I this is what i think yeah whatever it's probably just some other thing da, 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 da. it is kind of weird yeah that he conveniently doesn't believe at the exact moment he should be listening yeah, to his yeah. guy. Yeah. But, you know, it's not... I, I get it. I get that that beef. But, yeah. Uh, it's fine. But it... it um, the movie gained momentum over time. Even Ebert kind of turned around on this movie and, and yeah. found a lot of... There's a lot of love out there for this movie. And, yeah. and it's grown over time. And then you've got the, you know, the Christmas debate that keeps the movie fresh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It does. It keeps it. Uh, I guess dis- so. In discussion. Well, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start a brand new debate. Is Roger Next Rabbit week. a Christmas movie? And I'm gonna make sure we all we all talk about that every <laughs> Christmas. All, every Christmas, we we realize it's not. It's not. It's not. But uh, we're gonna talk about it. <laughs> um. But stay tuned next week for that debate. Uh. So, what's the legacy of this movie? I think it's pretty huge. It, it altered the the landscape uh, and devi- and sort of the device of, of telling an action film for the next twenty years. Yeah, I mean, so many, so many imitators. Do you want, um, to, do you want me to list a bunch? <laughs> you you certainly can. Uh, but this re- it created a model, like yeah. you said. It, it um, so many movies were patterned after this. Like to a ridiculous level. Yeah, sort of the lone person up against unbelievable odds to save people or to be the hero. Or and to and stop it's an every disaster. Man. It's it's a man of the people. Yeah, or in some cases, every boy. Mm-hmm. Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite ones, my two favorite uh, imitations of this movie. Go. Have the same title. Under Siege. Skyscraper. Oh, all right. Have you seen the, the new Skyscraper? Yes, and okay. it's so good. 
not really. But uh, my more favorite one is the Anna Nicole Smith one, <laughs> yeah. which if you've not seen this movie, stop whatever you're doing right now. Pull over. Pull over. Yeah. Find a, a Wi Fi hotspot. Get the password. Find it on YouTube. Oh my God. It's so good. Don't they rip off like the Die Hard a lot? In the well, movie? It's exactly Die Hard, it's except exactly. she's. She's McClane. John McClane. Hilarious. And, you know, she... I don't want to get on her case too much. She had problems at this point. She was... Oh, yeah. I think there some substance issues. She's also not a very... Wasn't a, the greatest actress. Right. So the combination is very difficult, but hilarious. Yeah, okay. And the, the villains are some of the worst... <laughs> some of the worst acting I've seen. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that was their fault or the directors or what but who it is worth watching i i don't know if i'd be able to i maybe i'd be fascinated because it's a copy of of die hard that at least I, that could sustain me like to find the difference but i feel like i don't know how how much i could how long i could ironically watch this yeah, movie you know it's I mean? so bad it's good but like you can watch like 20 minutes you get it so the next time watch it the, the next 20 minutes yeah because there's there's some great stuff that happens throughout. Yeah. Uh, we talked about the sequels. Uh, you know, it's still... They're trying to make have Die Hard make an impact to this day. Sure. I do think they'll probably make another one or two Die Hard movies. It's, reboot it. No. <laughs> reboot it with, uh, I don't know, like Michael Sarah. Oh, yeah. I think, I mean, you need a younger, fresh Chris take. Pratt. Put Chris Pratt in it. Chris Pratt would actually be the probably the the best choice at this point. I don't know. <laughs> um, one other great thing that came from this was if you had PlayStation One, they came out with a Die Hard trilogy game. Oh, really? So good. It really? Was so good. Uh, I didn't it was that. three each. Each movie had a different gameplay. Oh, really? Um, like, yeah, like like, like first person Die Hard One was third person, so you're like looking over. Oh, yeah. McLean, and you go through like almost every level of Nakatomi, and you've got to like, you know, you shoot out the glass and you shoot the terrorists. You have to save the hostages. Oh, neat. You find like weapons along the way, and mm-hmm. it's it was really fun. Mm-hmm. Die Hard Two was first person shooter. Like, do you remember the game Lethal Enforcers? Uh-huh. Oh yeah, yeah. It was exactly that, except in the Dallas airport. Oh hilarious! Or you know, the Washington Dallas airport. Yeah. Um. So you're kind of like floating through, and you have to shoot all these things. Uh-huh. And then Die Hard Three was all, was a was all in a vehicle. It's you have strange. to like you have to get to certain point, drive to certain points in the city to defuse bombs before they go off. Oh hilarious! Then you had very little time to do that. <laughs> but both, all three were fun. Really fun. Uh, Sounds like they fun. had Die Hard Trilogy 2, which was in Las Vegas and was terrible. Oh my god, yeah, what I bought it and got rid of it Die immediately. Hard Trilogy 2, the video game. Um, does this movie stand the test of time, though? What does it hold up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no, there's nothing that, that we've done, we've gotten over this. It's without question, it stands. Um, it's 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 funny though because it had inspired a, a, a sub genre of a. Of action movies, you mm-hmm. know that that every man thing. I mean, what are like? Did you like all the other movies that came out? If if I'm gonna like like Under Siege, like Passenger Fifty Seven, some yeah. I mean, Cl- some, Cliffhanger. Yeah, some of them are enjoyable. Speed. Yes. Yeah. 
Under Siege 2, uh, Dark Territory. Dark Territory, yeah. Co-starring <laughs> Everett McGill. Um, Toy so- that movie Toy Soldiers, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot about that movie. Love that movie. Yeah. Toy there's Soldiers a, is great. There's a lot of movies that, just because it's an imitation of Die Hard, doesn't mean it's a bad movie. Right. Uh, it just doesn't have... Most of those just don't have the legs that this one does. You can't have, you can't recreate that magic. Yeah, I mean the magic of whether it's the cast or the screenplay uh, or the director, yeah. like it's just it's not all there. I mean, I've been saying for years though that Die Hard is basically Under Siege two in a building. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> that's, common. That's I mean, what everybody. That's says. what everyone says. That's what everyone calls Die yeah. Hard. Um, but of course, anything that's popular is going to have its imitators, and, yeah. and uh, it's a story that works. So of course, they're going to do that, right? And you can, and you, all those movies sort of have to find a way to up the ante, mm-hmm. which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. I think you, you know, find new creative ways, make new action sequences, mm-hmm. bits that that work. Uh, I don't know. I, a lot of these, a lot of these, I really like. So I never seen Sudden Death. Mm-hmm. Uh, the or, the Van Dam, yeah, the Van yeah. Dam thing isn't that a part of this kind of genre? Mm-hmm. That it's in a hockey game, hockey you know, right. stadium. Yeah, you know, I might have seen maybe twenty minutes of it at some point with Powers Booth. Powers Booth, and I had never seen, and I hate to say this and admit it out loud, but I've never seen Cliffhanger. That'll change. <laughs> I know. I, I swear to you, that'll change. But if you think Home Alone, great movie. Mm-hmm. Get basic, it's Die Hard. Basic, it's basically Die Hard. Passage of 57 with Wesley Snipes. Oh, yeah. Thank die you. Die Hard yes. on a plane. Oh, my God. Speed? Are you kidding? Die Hard on a bus. On a bus. Sudden death? Die Hard in a hockey game. So, oh, wait, I'm an executive decision? <laughs> die Hard also on a plane. <laughs> with Kurt Russell, so we're not going to shit on that one. Sort of The Rock. The Rock is kind of... The Rock. Um, yeah, hostages. well, I mean, The Rock sort of like was a movie that helped take the action genre in in a in a new direction at that point. Yeah. With introducing the real like mix of action and comedy. Mm-hmm. And the Michael Bay. Well I it's mean, got like the Michael Bay stuff. Mm-hmm. It's got the buddy cop comedy yeah. formula. It's it's a and a lot of that action that mm-hmm. uh that works. I don't know. Yeah. I mean what I like these movies that respond for and of course uh Air Force One. Which is probably the, fi- the probably the final best entry <laughs> until you get to White House Down. So, <laughs> gotta see that one. White House Down is good. You'd really like it. Get out. You'd love it, Bruckheimer baby. <laughs> you like The Rock? Go see it. Well, did you just dial that back to Sinatra? <laughs> yeah, baby. If you listen to other episodes in our show, I do. I occasionally just say that. I say the Sinatra baby. <laughs> anyway, I, I, before we before we were like got close to signing off, I I thought yeah. talking about the movies that sort of imitated. Yeah, yeah. In a, in a big studio, there's way, just it was so many. Different. I mean, every it feels like every year there's some too that yeah. just continue to be want to recapture that diehard magic. Yeah, I, half I, of them star Bruce star Bruce Willis. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Um, anyway, this uh, does it stand the test of time? Yes. Should you give it a rewatch? Absolutely. And you should. The best day to watch it on is Christmas Day. No, that's false. Don't don't. There's a million other good movies to watch on Christmas Day. <laughs> um, don't do that. <laughs> thank you guys. We're gonna we're gonna take it home now. Let's get out of here. Yeah, we've been here a long get home time. With my family. Yeah. I don't have. I live at the studio, so it's fine. I mentioned I live alone earlier in the show. 
so I guess I just lied to the whole audience. <laughs> I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Well, don't forget. Stay tuned next week, we Christmas special, Eve. Very special episode. We're going. We're going toe to toe on the top twenty-five. Do you think the like the the poster for this one is going to be like me and you boxing? No, no. This is where we're coming together to create the ultimate Christmas list. Yeah, we'll work together. Yeah, which yeah. we've been tweeting about as we speak. Mm-hmm. We've been we've been dishing it out every day, and we're gonna we're gonna continue and go right to number one on the podcast. Yeah, so. we're we're uh, we're counting down the days. We're within a week now, so uh, stay tuned, guys. Yeah. Um, Thank you very much for uh, listening to the show. Uh, again, give us a tweet. Give, give us a, a review. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you. Take a poll. We're putting polls on the Twitter. FaceTime. Face, FaceTime, FaceTime us. us. Yeah, call us anytime. Uh, you've, you've got the number. If, if you're in the know, you've got the number. Yeah. FaceTime, snap tweet, all of that. All that. Right at us. Uh, five-star review. We would really appreciate it uh, on iTunes. And uh, check us out at www.reconsidermation.com. Wait, HTTP oh, yeah. colon forward slash forward slash www.reconsidermation.com. You got it. And uh, I look forward to doing this again with you, John. Yeah. And uh, letting all of you out there listen to it. And happy holidays, guys. We'll be back next week for our ultimate Christmas debate. Bye now. <laughs> <laughs>